With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Live edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap on Sunday, October 29th, 2023. I'm Brian Fulford. That's AD Drew. Drew, how you doing this evening, my friend? <laughs> yes, sir. Feels no good to worries. be around. Feels no worries. Good to be around. No words needed, brother. No words needed. Yep, yep. Feels good to be a Rattler. Feels good to be a Fayetteville State Bronco. Uh, so two division championships were claimed yesterday in the uh, HBCU football landscape. And so, you know, we'll we'll celebrate them. You know, I, I, think, they're, I think they are worthy to be celebrated, Drew. I'm not going to be one of those people that says – Oh, it's just a division title. Well, you know, talk to those schools that have never won. Or talk to the schools who won several, like Alcorn. And then when they don't go winning a couple, folks like really kind of miss winning them. So, you know, for at least 24, 48 hours, Drew, I say celebrate like heck. And uh, and then, you know, move forward with the next goal because you got to win the first you got to take care of the first goal first right exactly that's what i was going to say uh for Fayetteville state and for florida a&m thus far so only step one of the journey for florida a&m went in the east step one to get to the swag championship game number two winning the swag championship game and then step three went in the celebration bowl Put a pin in that. We're going to come back to that celebration bowl theme in just a moment. For Fayetteville State, step one, winning the South. Step two, winning the CIAA uh, championship. Step three, uh, getting to getting to the playoffs, because unlike on the FCS level, just the fact that you win the CIAA does not guarantee you will make the playoffs. And right. then step four, 
is actually making a good run in the playoffs and, and step five will ultimately be getting that national championship on the division two level. You mentioned Alcorn in the in the swag. Couple things about that. Alcorn won six in a row, Brian. I see why they are feeling like that, you know. So Fayetteville State has stepped into Alcorn State territory. Yes, with they have. six division championships in a row. Alcorn won six in a row from 2014 through 2019, I believe it was. Was that six-year run that they had Not winning, right. I believe, four of those six. Uh, Grampling was the team that uh, – Broke it up, and like I think that was 16 and 17 or 15 and 16 with the grant. It had to be 15 and 16. The reason I bring that up is because, Brian, did you know that the last five SWAT championships have come out of the East with Alcorn winning two in a row? Yeah. Alabama AM winning in 20. Uh-huh. And then Jackson State went in the last two. Well, there you go. Well, that I, I you know, thank you for that uh nugget. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to hold on to that and might use that. Hold on to that for Wednesday. Yeah, or or, or uh another day. We we got a, a little special announcement. We're gonna we're gonna do a little something something tomorrow night. So but yeah, yeah, you know, that's uh that's a good that's a good nugget there. That's why the uh SWAC East continues to lay its dominance down as the strongest division right now, you know? So for sure, for sure. Uh, you know what? I guess we can also say congratulations to Benedict College. They, no, they, they haven't wrapped up the one seed. There's only one week to go. They're unbeaten. There's, because... really, there's really a chance that Benedict could not make it to the championship game. They could make it. They may not wind up being the number one seed. Okay, well. Okay, okay. here's. Let me me go back. Let me go back. Let me rewind. Rewind. Okay. Can I say congratulations, Benedict College, on earning a first in the SIC championship game? We don't know, Brian. Oh, damn. And, And here's the scenario. Allen upset to Benedict Saturday, which is a, you know, there, there's this, a this upcoming, this upcoming Saturday, not yeah. yesterday, because we haven't. Yeah, we haven't this upcoming Saturday. About, all right, we haven't started talking about yesterday's games. I don't want to throw people off. Right, but uh, you know, Allen does have more than a puncher's chance at beating Benedict I, on Saturday. I, I agree. I guess they do. Okay, so that gives Benedict one loss. Fort Valley. Defeats Albany State, one loss. Tuskegee defeats Miles, one loss. Fort Valley and Benedict, obviously Benedict would have the head-to-head because they played each other. But Tuskegee has played neither one of those teams this year. Oh, let me me throw in the asterisk. Wow. Tuskegee beat Fort Valley in the Red Tails Classic. It did not count before anybody goes and put it in the chat that Tuskegee beat uh, Fort Valley. That game never existed as far as the SIAC 
race is concerned. So you not could potentially have a scenarios, not even not, as far as a tiebreaker. Right. So you would wow. have a three-way tie. That's gonna with, drive crazy. So now we have to get into that comment opponent uh stuff. And let, let me let me think out loud. Did Benedict play Ever Waters this year? Yes, they did. They do have a common yeah. opponent. Yes. So yes. Benedict would be in because that leaves Tuskegee out the door because Tuskegee lost to Ever Waters and both Fort Valley and Benedict beat them. So maybe you are right, Brian. Maybe Benedict is in no matter what. But that and believe it or not, y'all, that all just came to me on the fly. And I'm, can, can I give people the disclaimer, Brian? Uh, yes, we have to give them the disclaimer. Yes, go ahead, because okay. I was going to mention okay. it if you didn't. Okay, here's my disclaimer. You can mention your disclaimer. <laughs> Please go ahead and get your bottle of Tylenol, Motrin, Ibuprofen, Advil, or whatever, because when we get to talking about the SIAC playoffs and the doomsday scenarios for the SIAC playoffs, it may give you a headache. I have given you your warning now, so, you know, we'll get into it later on in the show. Please, during one of our breaks, go get your, go get your headache medicine out the cabinet. Wow. Um, yeah, there's a lot to break down from yesterday's, uh, yesterday's games. Um, coming up a little bit later in the show, top of hour two, we're going to talk to Coach uh, Farasi. Norman, uh, he's already in the chats, so uh, good to see Coach in there, as well as several others. So let me let me kind of take a second and kind of do a roll call here. Kenneth Rose, your first one in the building. Um, you know, happy homecoming. Uh, congratulations. You know, I guess I guess it's kind of commonplace to congratulate uh, somebody who didn't even play. <laughs> that hey, your school won a won the division. So I. For anybody who's going to make that weird, this is going to be what it's going to be. Let it be uncomfortable. I'm going to say congratulations, Rattler. So there you go. And, and I, I feel like you can you can say that all all day, you know. The, you know. So we'll we'll, we'll say uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh, Jeff Roberts, uh, I, Aggie Pride. Yep, yeah, Jeff. Uh, More like Aggie died. Well, hey, you know what? Their turn is coming up. They get an opportunity to win another game. They couldn't spoil Hampton's homecoming, but they, maybe they get a chance to win theirs this upcoming week. As uh, the that uh, that Jiho, uh, as they as they call it, uh, is is coming up this week. It'd be interesting to see what kind of what kind of numbers that game pulls. Uh, Jimmy Mack comes in. Good to see you, uh, Jay Mack. Good to see you again. <laughs> Uh, Tamara T, hello, happy homecoming, congratulations. Uh, Drew, yeah, the, the people were asking about you over the weekend. As I had to tell people, you know, when you know, Drew is kind of committed, uh, on, on these Saturdays, most Saturdays, he's he's committed, uh, but you know, he's he's with us in spirit and heart. Yeah, no, Adrian. We're not gonna. We're not gonna. We're not gonna be playing. We are the champions. We're not gonna be singing anything like that because we got <laughs> a lot yet. of. We got a lot of. Yeah, not yet. We got a lot of a lot of games to talk about. So we, this 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 show we cover the HBCU diaspora, all things uh, covering HBCU sports. So I mean, yes, you you know who we are, 
and yeah. even some band stuff. And yeah, yeah, today we're gonna get into talking some band stuff as there's a lot of buzzing going on about the uh HBCU band of the year competition. Um and I'm gonna I might even get into a very touchy subject, and I'm debating on if I'm gonna touch this fire tonight or whether I'm gonna wait a day or two to touch it. But it has to do with bands and game day atmosphere. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna. I, I don't know. You know, that's one of the situations where when you see a flame, and and whoever it was that 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 person, maybe a, a father figure, a man, or could have been a woman. Okay, could have been. But whoever taught you about heat, and not to put your hands too close to heat and fire. Or it will burn you. Whoever taught you that lesson, right? Then that's kind of what I'm doing as I'm slowly kind of hovering my hand. And you just gotta, you know, sometimes you just had to put your hand on the on the stove, Drew, just to really. If you if you're one of them people that didn't believe that that eye was hot the first time you did it, you realize, okay, that's the last time I want to do that. So I was that stubborn kid that did that. I think I, I think I still have the the missing fingerprint from my hand to prove that I did that. So, but anyway, that's, that's me. So, um, good to see many, many folks getting back from their homecomings, so on and so forth. Uh, I want to answer Lawrence's question when we get the oh, chance. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead and answer his question. From what I've been able to research and ascertain with the tiebreakers, Lawrence, it will come down to common opponent if it's just these two teams who are tied. And once again, the Ever Waters game will be the determining factor as Fort Valley beat Ever Waters and Tuskegee did not beat Ever Waters losing on the on the Hail Mary. And you know, it looks like nobody from the SIAC heard our pleas last week to please publish the tie-breaking scenarios, because we still officially don't know what they are. But Drew, in his infinite wisdom, was able to go and find some very old tie-breaking scenarios. And so, for, for, the, sake, for the sake and purpose of conversation tonight, we'll kind of look at those and talk about them some more. But after the break, so you can get your headache medicine. <laughs> hey, uh, also from Lawrence, yeah, Benedict, uh, the actual ranking should come out tomorrow. Um, is, is that, that yeah, obviously yes. this past Monday was just the 10 teams announcing. What's funny about announcing 10 teams, Drew, without ranking them, somebody might fall off that list. You know, it's kind of crazy that they would throw 10 names out there in alphabetical order and Theoretically, somebody might fall off that list tomorrow. Based on what I've been able to research uh, based on Saturday's results, this past Saturday's results, Benedict may be number two instead of number one. I hope that they don't go just by the raw numbers because uh, when you look at the raw numbers, Benedict is number two behind Delta State, as I've been able to pull some of the, the updated numbers based on a couple of different sites at, uh, with the projections. 
So that was a shocker to me, especially with Lenore Ryan losing. I'm like, okay, Benedict is going to be the obvious number one. But, you know, there is still the human element when it comes to this as far as people ultimately will vote one through ten. Um, you know, as we start getting into the month of November, we start thinking about playoff scenarios. Um, I don't know what type of fighter you think that is, Lawrence. Um, he, he's going he's gonna to have to be a heavyweight uh, in, in the top one or two contending spots. Uh, now, in terms of whether Jackson State necessarily has a chance. What massive rating did you see Jackson State rank 33? Because that wasn't a massive rating that I saw. Mm, okay. Nor did I see Tennessee State Tennessee at 32. State 32, because I'll look that up because I just had the massive ratings. Could be last week. Earlier. No, it definitely wasn't last week. Uh, Jackson State was in the 50s when I saw them, Ooh, like 55 great. or something like that. Yeah, they do update that every week. So, um, all right. So I want to thank everybody for jumping in. Make sure to hit the thumbs up button or the like button if you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook. Please, as always, make sure you're following the BCSN on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MyBCSN1, the number one. And, hey, all of you, you know, who are watching would do us a great favor if right now from your Facebook or socials, it share the stream, share the stream, post it on your feed, share it with a friend, tag a friend, um, you know, continue to help support and move this thing along. It's greatly uh, appreciated. Well, since I know we're coming up and we're going to be talking about the SIC, let me get into a couple of CIAA news and notes, Drew, because their league is, while it's not as, uh, uh, let's, I don't want to say it's not compelling, but, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's very chalkish right now over in the CIAA. Uh, obviously, you know, Fayetteville State, uh, is winning. They won. But I think what you have to think about is how they're winning. And if you've been paying attention to Fayetteville State or at least listening to the scores over the last four or five weeks, you've been noticing a common trend. And that's the Broncos winning by a touchdown or less. Or less. <laughs> right. And guess what? No surprise. Uh, yesterday, guess what they did? They won by a touchdown against Shaw, <laughs> 21 to 14, a game in which they actually scored a 60-yard touchdown play uh, from Joe Owens Jr. to Nigel Fitzgerald with 20 seconds remaining to get the win over Shaw. Poor Shaw. Doesn't it feel like every season Shaw loses a game in some dramatic fashion? You know, I still go back to the, the Bowie State block punts on consecutive possessions. The last set. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like every season, Shaw, it's just like heartbreak on the wrong side of it. But anyway, uh, Fayetteville State gets the win to improve to 7-2 and two on the year. 
seven and zero in the conference, and essentially have wrapped up the South Division title for the sixth consecutive year. Um, this season, Fayetteville State is six and one, Drew, in games decided by seven points or less, and they have won four of them in a row. Uh, they they lost the very first game of the season, I think, to UNC Pembroke by like a field goal. And then, but along the way, they've won six games, including, as you like to say, a, a game in a hurricane against Virginia Union by three points, which to this day is Virginia Union's only loss of the season. Uh, so uh, shout out to uh, the defending CIAA champions, Fayetteville State, who will get a chance to defend their title. And uh, it, it's going to come down to them versus one of those Virginia schools, Drew. Uh, that's just how it uh, winds up. Uh, Virginia, anything you want to say, anything you want to comment on Fayetteville State before I jump over to those Virginia schools in the north? You remember this? What's, how the song go? All I do is win no matter what. No matter what. That, that should be that, that, that Luda. That, that should be Fayetteville State's thing. They the win song. no matter what. Play my theme song. <laughs> all, I do is win. all I do is win, man, no matter what. That's it. Yes. That's all yeah, I do. And, and for some reason, Fayetteville State has been playing to their competition all season long. When their competition has been good, a la a Virginia Union, they have played at that level, uh, the Pembroke game, which they uh, barely lost. They have played at the level of the competition. But at the same time, they have played down to their, to their competition. Also, you know, Let's see, I believe Bluefield was a blowout, but they rarely beat St. Augustine's and Livingstone, if I remember correctly. It's 28 to 18 over Bluefield. That's a blowout. No, I said, I think I said, I said oh. they beat Bluefield, but I, if I remember right, St. Augustine's and Livingstone were one possession games 7 0 against St. Aug and 19 to 14 against Livingstone. So, yeah, and Johnson C, where Johnson C. Is competition, so I'm not. I'm not saying they played down to that one, but you know, Johnson C. Up and coming. Livingstone. Livingstone is positive. Up plus five hundred in the uh, yes. in the in the conference standings. Yes. Um, I here's what I here's what I'll say. They have not allowed more than twenty four points. That's their season high. They gave up, and that was to Lenore and Ryan. Now, wasn't Lenore and Ryan in the in those top ten rankings? alphabetical yes. listing. Yes. Okay. Sir. So that tell and, and I'm not sure whether UNC Pembroke is or not. I um, can pull it up while you talk. Okay. But the fact that Fayetteville State has one of the best defenses in terms of scoring average in the nation. Uh and, and yet that's what's keeping them in ball games. They've won seven games in a row after losing those first two games to UNC Pembroke and Lenore Ryan. And they've done all that they were asked to do. You know, at the end of the day, I don't think anyone's going to be looking at scoring margin. You will look at their defensive scoring average, which is pretty doggone low. It's one of the best in the CIAA right next to 
Virginia Union. So, you know, it, it's not it's not pretty. It's not sexy. And look, when you look at when you juxtapose what they're doing versus what Virginia State and Virginia Union are doing, both of them are averaging like 40 and 39 points a game, respectively. I get it. You know, but, uh, you know, as you said, they got a theme song, and that's what really needs to be respected. Do you find out about anything on UNC Pembroke real quick before I move on? Pembroke, Pembroke, Pembroke. While you're looking, let me let me mention uh, Virginia State. Let me mention Virginia State. Um, coming off of a loss a week ago, Virginia State put up 75 points on Lincoln, PA, beating them 75 to 25. Um, and uh, that's the most points scored under Coach Frazier. And, Drew, I went and looked at you, – you recall the perfect game as what I like to call – what we like to call the perfect game, the Kentucky State perfect game at Edward Waters from a couple seasons ago, right? You still remember that? Yes. I've got two games this past Saturday that might – if they don't fall into that category, they were very close. And one of them was this game here. Uh, when I went digging into the the stat drive charts on this game, again, Virginia State jumped out to a 20 nothing lead, then added 27 more points in the second quarter. Lincoln only scored a touchdown there at the halftime. 47-7 to was your halftime score. Um. But Virginia State had scored, when I go and look at their drives, their drives, and, and now they also had a punt return touchdown in here, so bear with. Their drives, touchdown, nine plays, 59 yards. Touchdown, five plays, 79 yards. Touchdown, 10 plays, 79 yards. Touchdown, two plays, 75 yards. Touchdown, nine plays, 65 yards. Touchdown, Seven plays, 92. Um, they had one punt in the third quarter. And then came back with touchdown, 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 touchdown. Um, six. That's seven touchdowns, Drew. Seven touchdowns. Now, I don't know. Do punt, punts don't necessarily count on the drive chart, do they? Yes. Okay. So, I don't know where the punt return is. I know it's in the – when I look at it in the – when you go into the box score and you look at how they scored, uh, the punt return did happen in the second quarter, 457 to play. No, right. I'm sorry. Punt returns don't count as a, on a drive chart. No. Okay, so that would explain yeah. it then. Okay, yes. so then they, they had – set. so then they scored 11 touchdowns, 10 of them on offensive drives. So <clears throat> needless to say – it wasn't the perfect game because they had this one drive in the third quarter, the first drive of the third quarter in which they went three plays, lost a yard, and punted. But every other drive, they scored. Damn, that, that's what you call getting ready for your big rival, you know? And and don't sleep. Virginia Union, all they did was put up 50-something on uh, 
on uh, on their opponent, who I think they had. Uh, who do they have? Oh, I had it up. Where's my audit and two thing right here? This is fascinating radio here or TV here. Virginia Union, fifty-seven to twelve, traveling to Bluefield State. So I think that's consecutive weeks that Virginia Union has put up 50-something. So, again, Drew, it just kind of highlights what's upcoming, the big matchup. And I think it's at Hovey Field. I think this time Virginia Union is hosting Virginia State versus Virginia Union. The winner, winner goes to the championship game. The loser, Drew, based on the ratings – could be sitting at home unless they find a way to get a match scheduled uh, the following week. Did you did you find out anything on that UNC Pembroke? Pembroke is in Super Region One. That's why I could not okay. find them. Okay. And they were, I believe they were number. They were in that top ten. Hold on, let me look at it again. They were just outside of the top ten in Super Region One. Okay, so that would give that would give some credence to them having an opportunity to actually be a part of uh, why that that would explain why Fayetteville is the only team in the CIAA that was in the top ten rankings last week, which was kind of shocking, but now it makes sense if you think about it in terms of non-conference competition. One last CIAA note, Drew, before we go to a break. We got to give it up to Johnson C. Smith. Johnson C. Smith got a 35-31 to 31 victory on Saturday against Winston-Salem State. And it was significant for two reasons. First off, it snapped a 21-game losing streak to the Rams. Let me repeat that number. This is a division opponent. So you see them every year. A 21-game streak was ended. The last time that Johnson C. Smith beat the Rams was in 1996 at home. 1996, I think I was still in college then. I was the last time that Johnson C. Smith defeated Winston-Salem State. Point number two, reason number two why it was a big win for Johnson C. Smith, it pushed their record in the CIAA to six and three. Six wins is pretty significant, isn't it, Drew? Yes. It is significant usually because of what it, what does it usually mean? You're above 500. You're above 500. You know how long it's been since Johnson C. Smith was either at or above 500 in a season? Why well, I think you're going to say sometime in the 80s. No, not, not quite, <laughs> not quite <laughs> that long. Not quite that long. Um, <laughs> 2013, 10 years since they went 5-5. Five and five. That year they finished the season 5-5. Five and five. The previous season, though, 
was the last time that they won six games. That was 2012. They also happened to win six games the year before in 2011 as well. So we're talking 10, 11 years since Johnson C. Smith. And, and, and as I'm doing the research, going back, and I'm looking, man, it's a lot of two-loss seasons or two-win seasons, three-win seasons. I mean, like, oh, there's a four-win season. Oh, damn, then there's another two-win season. It's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of losing has been happening at Johnson C. Smith. Uh, so I I got to tip my cap and say congratulations to second-year head coach Maurice Flowers for turning the program around, putting them back on the winning track. And I think strong discussions will be, will be said for next season in the preseason as to where do you think Johnson C. Smith <clears throat> will, will be. You know, are they going to push their way into contention next season? Um, in that game against Winston-Salem State, there were five lead changes. It was an exciting ball game, so I'm sure if you are a uh, Golden Bull or if you are a Ram, uh, it, it was a game. Uh, yeah, you know, so I, I'm sure our Winston State friends – uh, they've suffered through a lot over these last few years. And I think the final straw might have been, yes, there it is. I, I knew he was here. I appreciate you, Steve. Yes, I, I knew that Winston-Salem football <laughs> running to the ground. Yes, yes. 21 year, twenty not 21 year. Again, I was in high, I was still in FAMU the last time that Johnson C. Smith won. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> said there was no excitement for the game. I, it, it sounded like the game was exciting. There were five lead changes in the second half, but maybe, you know, it was what it was. Next yeah, week I, is the – Steve, hold up, Steve. Coming out of the end of Slater's run at Tuskegee, I feel you, brother. I feel, I feel your pain, my man. When you have a proud program such as a Winston-Salem State has been in the CIAA, to go 500 is a disappointment. To have more than one loss to a Division II team is a disappointment. So to spend for what has been Winston-Salem multiple years, not in mediocrity, but in, you know, in disarray, it has been – it's got to be tough for all the Ram Nation out there. And that right there is I, – I officially feel old, and that right there is the is the chat is the chat post of the night <laughs> right there. And I'm going to get out of this segment before I feel – Let's go on break on that one. <laughs> right now. Thank you, Steve, for always drop, dropping in the, uh, the jewels. Uh, great stuff there. Hey, let's take a hey. short break. And we, we're going to reference your article when we talk about the uh, bands later on, Steve. So just want to put that out there, my brother. Uh, next week. Oh, yeah. Let's tease that out. What are we going to Let's tease that out. All right. Also, with the uh, band of the year. All right. That's, that's, a, that's it. That's it. That's later on in the show. So that's. You got to stay around. Yeah. You got to stick around. It's later. You got to stick around. Uh, I did want to mention the 131st Commemorative Classic versus Livingstone next week. Might be the first time. Here's somebody. Somebody want to do the research on this. When's the 
because you have a Livingstone and a Johnson C. Smith with winning records in conference. When's the last time that happened in this series? That that might that be one of those. Seen. Yeah, that might be one of those way back in the day moments. All right, that's enough. Let's take a break. Come back. Let's get into the SIC and the chaos. Uh, what what did we call it? The the I, I can't even I can't even fit my mouth to say all that, but uh and chaotic. There you go. Drew coined it, and so that's what it is. We'll talk about that coming up on the other side. You're watching the BCSM Sports Rap. We'll be back in just a moment. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100 percent dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Never not working. Never not working. Never, ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. You're looking for the latest information on Southern University Sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU Athletics. There's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Appreciate everybody chatting in the uh, YouTube or Facebook chat feeds. Of course, we're on the Jericho Broadcast Network's YouTube page. MyJBN1 is where you can find us. We are a part of the Jericho Broadcast Networks and the Black College Sport Network, where you can uh, catch all of uh, our shows during the week. And then we have exciting football games on the weekend, uh, this upcoming Saturday, we will be broadcasting the big matchup in Columbia, South Carolina, between Allen University and Benedict College. So that'll be that'll be uh, a big game for sure. All right, let's let's talk SIC football while we got time. We got time today. Everybody got your title and all. Yeah. Uh, first off, let's just deal with the scores because all right, I, I, the, theme, the theme. You know what the theme was, Brian? What's, what? What did you think the theme was? 
the thing was either blowout or close. Not, I, not only I, I, in the SIAC, but across HBCU football last uh, yesterday. I would Every say game was either a three or four touchdowns or a one possession game. I didn't see too many one. I, I was doing the I I'm, I'm looking at. I don't see too many one possession games. I there, there really weren't, but there, there really weren't like a too many ten points and fourteen points competitive type games. You know, you had uh, I know you had the Grand now Grambling wound up being a fourteen point game. You had Southern Tennessee. They covered Texas Southern. That was the probably that, one close. That was a close one. game, but you know everything else was like. Blowout, blowout, blowout. Yeah. <laughs> Three touchdowns. Of course, of course, Fayetteville State lived to the close um, game. Well, that's what they do. That's what they do. So, <laughs> that's what they do. Um, all right. So, we got to talk about Albany State. Just a week ago, as I'm in Jacksonville watching Albany State, just get ran on like the Washington Generals playing the Harlem Globe Trotters. On you know, in the second half of a game against Edward Waters, just just long drives, just drive after drive, including a game-winning drive. I mean, they had a, they had a twenty-four to seven lead over Edward Waters, ended up losing uh, with about I don't know, maybe a dozen seconds left. I thought it was eight, eight maybe, whatever. Um, they they they're going in a game that we pretty much had said. Yeah, Albany State, your chances are pretty much you're not Albany State was of, left for dead. Yeah, it was like you got like a point nine percent chance of you know, whatever if, if there was like one of those per chances of winning, their percentage was probably about one percent or less. Well, like the Undertaker famously did in many of his matches. Albany State has risen. Are you making a WWE reference? I'm making a, you know, hey, the dirty, the dirty blue defense, and uh, I don't know, uh, Deontay Bono. He might be a, he might be a wrestling fan. Quinn Gray might be a wrestling fan because they got off the mat, Drew. Albany State in a big way against a top five team. I mean. In everybody's poll, I mean, hell, our rankings, my personal rankings, probably yours, Miles is either three, four, five, somewhere in that ballpark, especially after beating who they beat the week before. Um, who did Miles beat the week before? Anyway, they beat a top five opponent the week before. Okay. Allen. Allen. Yes, exactly. After beating Allen. So. All Albany State does is come out and, as the headline reads, destroys Miles 48-7. to seven. Uh, That, uh, or, or maybe maybe I should, maybe let me say it better. HBCU Sports says they dismantled Miles on senior day 48-7. to seven. Um, When I went back and watched the, the, or looked at the box scores, Albany State, scored quickly. They had scoring drives that were three plays, 29 yards, three plays, 75 yards, two plays, 70 yards, one play, 75 yards. Uh, Deontay Bono, after 
touch a chord, Brian. Deontay Bono Still, still, still a little bit uh, distorted. Hey, Brian, Brian, let's take a break uh, while you fix your audio. Take a quick break because your audio is I don't know why. There it is. There it is. Whatever you just did, do it again. Hold it in right there. Back in the day when you had the uh, rabbit ears, I, don't I move. Stand here, don't, don't move. move. All right, I, I just stay like this. Deontay Bono passed for 262 yards, three touchdowns, and INT ran eight times for 89 net yards and scored a touchdown. Uh, also, Ralph Lovett, the third, caught five passes for 154 yards and three touchdowns. The Dirty Blue defense had four sacks, two interceptions, forced Miles to punt. They did knock out their starting quarterback, so I think that had a lot to do with that, uh, with the result of that game, they knocked him out in the first quarter. Um, Klein Peter, they knocked Klein Peter out in the first uh, quarter. First drive. First drive, yeah. And, and uh, you know, that was it, uh, Fortune. So, Albany State now moves, you know, kind of back into the hunt. Miles kind of slides out of it a little bit. Um, and then the other big score, the other big game was Allen University homecoming. I think it was their homecoming. No, yes. it wasn't their home. Was it their homecoming? Yes. Okay, yes. it was their homecoming and they the AME Classic. Yeah, okay, so they, they did they doubled up there. So yes. yeah, they also on homecoming and winning the AME football classic 59 to 21 over Edward Waters. I told y'all first person to 45, first team to 45 would win. I was proven right. But well, we expected two teams to get at least 40, though, when you said that, Brian. We did. We did. Um, we, yeah, I didn't know Allen was going to cover cover for, by uh, their waters by themselves. Um, and, you know, the over-under was 55 on this game. So, winner, winner to anybody who, who, uh, who played the over and listened to me. Uh, even if it were in the 60s, you would have still covered uh, because there's how many points was scored in this contest. Um, I will say this was the other game, Drew, when I told you about the near-perfect game because I go in and look at Allen's scoring. Allen scored on four of their first five possessions in the first half, scoring touchdowns. Then after half, they came back and scored four consecutive times for touchdowns as well. Um, you know, they had two interceptions off of uh, uh, off of Edward Waters, and they really forced Edward Waters to punt six times. Edward Waters' offense just never – look, Allen showed up with some defense, and I guess that was one of the things that we kind of chuckled about trying to figure out who was going to show up with defense. You know, that's one of those. And I guess, hey, uh, I see Steven says Teddy Keaton should be in the conversation. Well, I mean, look, hey, is Dave, does David uh, does David Wright have an extra year of eligibility? Because if so, yeah, 
I if I'm Teddy King, I think I'm, David Wright has a year in eligibility, not extra. I think he has another year already. Uh, that's got to be a package deal, then. I'm just you know I'm not I'm not putting anybody into the portal already, but I'm just saying if Teddy Keaton goes, then if I'm him, I'm 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 bringing I'm bringing David Wright with me over to South Carolina State if that if that were to happen, Brian. Yeah, I know we're not talking about hot seats yet. But this is the opposite of the hot seat. I think there will be one, if not two, football job openings in Columbia, South Carolina after this season due to one, if not both of these coaches having the opportunity to move on to other programs. Would not surprise me at all. Well, uh, that's something uh, we're keeping an eye on. I, I, you know, we definitely want to – the, the opportunity should be there. You know, uh, I agree 100% with Steve that, you know, if uh, if you're looking at a short list, if you are looking at a short list, you, you got to have. You, you start in Columbia, South Carolina with one of those two guys. Yeah, you, you start. If not both. Yeah, yeah, both. No, I'm starting with both. Uh, yeah, that if I'm and they're in the home state. So how can you not start with those two in your home state? First off, so that that goes without saying. Um a lot of people, uh, a lot of you guys giving love to uh, Teddy Keaton there. Uh, okay, so so what does that mean for the SIC? All right. <laughs> so here's what I here's what I jotted down, Drew, and then we'll go in this. Here's what I got: Benedict seven and zero in the conference right now by virtue of winning thirty eight to seventeen over Savannah State. Tuskegee is now in second with a six and one record. After winning against Clark Atlanta 14 to 13, they play Miles this upcoming weekend. Fort, Va- uh, Fort Valley State uh, didn't have to play. Well, they did play. They played uh, VUL, non conference. VUL played them closer than you would have expected. I look, you're not you're not putting up, you're not shutting out VUL anymore. I think they've kind of made that quite clear. And so I think it was like 37 to 26 win for Fort Valley, so it wasn't a no cakewalks against VUL anymore. Those days are gone. So, Fort Valley takes on Albany next week. Allen moved into fourth. Uh, again, Tuskegee and Fort Valley both are sitting at 6-1. and one. Allen moved into fourth now with a 5-2 and two conference record after the win over Edward Waters. They play Benedict. Then you have Miles sitting in Fifth, uh, after losing, they played Tuskegee, as mentioned. And then there's Albany State, who takes on Fort Valley. Uh, Albany has two losses as well. So what it is, Drew, we got an unbeaten team, two teams with one loss, and three teams with two losses. Let's talk. Let's talk quickly. Let's talk scenarios, because we... We, we want to make sure we get this in and this as quickly as we can in this segment uh, before we got to bring in Coach Ferrasi. Let's talk scenarios. What? What? Uh, let's go. All right. Looking at the regional rankings and looking at uh, the state conference standings, the ideal situation for the SIAC as far as playoffs is a Benedict Fort Valley championship game. 
that puts the conference in the best position to possibly get two teams to the Division Two playoffs. Which two? The two teams the before the Okay. Yes. So yeah. okay. Right. But the winner, the, the winner, we're getting in, and the loser will have a good, strong case to be at the second team. Now, the most recent rankings, there were three teams from the SIC in the but, top ten. But you got to remember, Miles lost, so Miles will probably drop out of that top ten because Miles was their third team. Right. So and, we're, left, we're left for Fort Valley and Benedict. And Tuskegee is not going to be a part of the playoffs because playoffs. of their game against Alabama State Correct. Thanksgiving weekend. Allen is ineligible. Also, because they're still in their transition from NAIA to D two, wow. the Waters is eligible because they're uh, because of their transition. And Alan, I thought Edward Waters was eligible. no, no, no uh, both of them were going through their final year, their okay. third year. And Albany State is too far down in the teens to be able to make an impact. You, Albany State is yes. Okay, so now let me let me throw curveball scenarios at you. If Albany State were to beat Fort Valley State, uh, then that gives they put that and Tuskegee were to defeat Miles, that puts Tuskegee and Benedict in a rematch of last year's championship game. Well, you hold on, but you're also assuming saying if Benedict beats Allen, you didn't you didn't say that. Even if Benedict loses to Allen, that will be that will make a Tuskegee Benedict because even Benedict would have one loss, Tuskegee would have one loss at that point. Those would be the only two one loss teams if Fort Valley were to lose. Ah, thank you. Okay, good point. So that that's that's going to be an automatic rematch at that point. Okay, those are. So there is there any scenario then that Albany State? I'm starting at the bottom. Is there any scenario that Albany State can get into the championship game? Or are they just playing spoilers? Well, that that's when the nerves have to figure it out. Albany State beats Fort Valley. Two loss Albany State, two loss Fort Valley. Right? Miles beats Tuskegee. Oh, right. Two yep. loss Miles, two loss Tuskegee. Right. Four, right. We got four teams tied. None of them played here. To, all of them did not play head to head right they none of them have a single common opponent that's crazy that's the crazy part okay so that's when we have to get into a lot of creativity to to figure this out and let's throw the caveat in there so we, we've talked we've talked about four which gives albany state a chance because we don't know what the tiebreakers will be in that scenario uh -huh. Should Allen upset Benedict right. along with those other things that we just said? Now you've added a fifth team into your gumbo. <laughs> nice. Uh, again, okay, so the only the only ones the only ones that I could probably give you a definitive definition on is. A Fort Valley Tuskegee tie favors Fort Valley 
because uh, and the, the, this is unofficial, you all. Just so please do not take this and be like AD said this on the sports rap and he was wrong. No, this is unofficial. This is just for my for my research. Fort Valley beat Tuskegee. Tuskegee lost. Excuse me. Fort Valley beat Everwaters. Right. Tuskegee lost to Everwaters. Common opponent. Because there, there, there was another common opponent. They both played Morehouse, so they, and they both defeated Morehouse. Right. That's the other uh, common opponent between those two. So you go to Ever Waters, and Tuskegee lost to Ever Waters. That take that that eliminates that. So, and you know, nothing that nothing else matters when it comes to those tie breaks, unless Fort Valley and Tuskegee lose because if either one of the if one loses and the other one does it it's it's pretty cut and dry the one who wins is in but if they should both lose then we get into some some creative stuff both teams have to lose for the doomsday scenario to occur it is fascinating that the top six teams all play each other this week you could not have written that any better you could not. You really have Benedict, Tuskegee, Fort Valley, Allen, Miles, Albany State. That's your top six. They all play each other. Three, so those three games, we will be watching and scoreboard watching. Now, uh, Doc, good to see you uh, in. Thanks for coming in, Doc. Doc asked a great question. Do we really want a rematch between Benedict and Tuskegee? And he's, he's referring to the rematch of the SIC championship, which – I mean, you know, Benedict kind of laid the, last year. laid the wood to Tuskegee last year. Um, I, 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 can, can I, can I, I speak know, as a Tuskegee I know, alum? I know you want to see it as a Tuskegee alum. Honestly, the way Tuskegee has been playing ball the back half of this season, I do not want to see that. They, no disrespect, but as a blue blood, you don't lose to Edward Waters. Just, just, just that simple. But really? we're not the only blue blood. We're not the only blue blood that that, that ever was defeated. Yeah, but as a Tuskegee person, that's a, five turnovers. Right, but as as a Tuskegee alum, that's just how you feel. You do not I, lose to it ever was. I got you. Ne- next thing, you've had Central State push you. You've had Lane push you this year, and you've yeah, and it took you to halfway through the fourth quarter to score against Clark Atlanta. <laughs> Do you really want to see Benedict's defense Tuskegee? I'm 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 real. I, I you know I, I I'm T T U you know I'm Golden Tiger to through and through, but I don't want to see it. And and I'm gonna say this: I don't want to see I don't want to see Miles and Benedict. Without a healthy Edwin Clampy. Right. Now, yeah, if that depending upon his the nature of his injury, I mean that seriously hampers that is sort of like an advantage for Tuskegee going into this contest yes. because Miles doesn't have their top quarterback. Now, could they overcome that? Sure. They could. Yeah. But you gotta be thinking uh, Tuskegee and, uh advantage Tuskegee right now going into this contest. And here's another one. Uh, I don't know if people know that Kelvin Durham, when Benedict and Fort Valley played early this year, Kelvin Durham had a bad wheel. 
he had just came off, uh, he had sprained his ankle the Saturday before, and he was playing on a short week. So, uh, you know, you're going to be looking at hopefully a healthy Kelvin Durham who should be able to perform a heck of a lot better in, in that game should that become your rematch scenario. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what Allen does this week against Benedict. Um, I, I think Allen is the team that looks like they have played everybody, all of the big dogs that they had on their schedule. They played them well, played them close, even the people they lost to. Uh, they, they were close losses. Um, I think the Fort, Fort Valley is the one that's sort of the, the head scratcher, right? Because it's the only blemish. Am, am, I not, am I not mistaken? It's the only blemish on Fort Valley's record is the is the is the loss to Benedict. Have they have, they've got two losses under their belt, don't they? Tuskegee and Benedict. Yeah. And so you know, I don't know if I if I had if I had a if I had a choice. Ooh, give me the, I, I hate to say, it, give me Tuskegee, and I say give me Tuskegee because of the fact that yes, they did get blown out last year, and I gotta believe you're not gonna let that happen a second time. Like, I mean, really, and and I gotta think that the Tuskegee folks will travel that game i'd like to think well it's, it's in atlanta this year so that, what, that's, what's, that's atlanta? A, what's in atlanta the championship game the championship game is at uh lake lakewood lakewood what, stadium really i missed that what yes oh. yeah they announced it about three four weeks ago the championship really? game will be in atlanta whoa that's a major uh and i i totally missed that announcement that's a yes. major fact oh so then Oh, you're definitely yeah. Give me Tuskegee. I'll take the I'll take the comeback because I think Tuskegee will show up, and especially Tuskegee in Atlanta. It's Tuskegee in Atlanta, half of Tuskegee is already there in Atlanta. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, it's alumni base. Yeah, All right, Lakewood Stadium. Okay, well, yeah, I, I did not know that. Thank you for for uh, updating me on that, Drew. Yes. Okay. So, but yeah, we'll be sitting back and 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 we'll talk about those game times. Now, one, can... I'll say one last thing that we, uh, because of the losses that occurred on yesterday, the chances of us seeing bonus football, i.e., a Week Eleven matchup to feature teams uh, trying to make a playoff bid right now are probably going to be slim in the SIAC because you don't have two teams that are really eligible who are in contention. Now, what you could possibly see is the loser, the Virginia school who loses, attempt to play a possible SIAC team especially should a port valley get left outside again this year uh of the championship game because we all know how fort valley felt after being left outside of the championship game this past year tuskegee cannot play 
in that particular game. Right. Also, playing the championship game. That's it. Right. Yes. All right. Okay. Great, great idea. I hope that happens. I, I hope to see the loser of the Virginia Union Virginia State game play in a week 11 contest. I don't care if they play it Friday night or Saturday morning. I probably would make more sense, honestly, to play a Friday night. Uh, but that would be a good contest, maybe against Miles or uh, Miles or Fort. Well, Miles or Fort Valley, whichever whichever one is on the outside looking in, because I think isn't that that's the scenario that best fits uh, one of those two teams, right? Correct. And going to those two teams, uh, the winner would have an outside chance of making it in. Right, right. Uh, I'll end the segment by saying congrats to Edward Waters. Uh, the conference schedule didn't finish the way they wanted, but they did finish 5-3 and three in the SIC uh, and will definitely have a uh, a winning seat. And they, they probably, when we go back and do the math, Drew, I bet you Edward Waters had the toughest SIAC schedule because when you look at wins and losses of common opponents, I think Edward Waters had the toughest schedule of everybody. And and, oh, and probably and then probably Allen had the second toughest. I'm just I'm just guessing here. Um so that that's my guess. But uh congratulations. Uh, Coach uh, Toriano Morgan, Edward Waters, uh, on a great season. They've got one more game. I think they play VUL. Uh, don't sleep. Don't sleep on VUL. Don't end that season because VUL, they they play. They are no longer a cakewalk. <laughs> uh, that's an interesting. Is that is that a possibility? Tuskegee versus CIAA runner-up? Yeah, that's definitely a possibility in the uh... – in, in the Beach Bowl, I mean, like I say, the two most likely SIAC representatives are Tuskegee and Edward Waters. Okay. All right, let's yeah. take a break. Uh, we've got Coach Ferrasi Norman coming up, our usual segment in the top of hour two. Let's get into finding out uh, what kind of what kind of action Coach saw on the field this past weekend, and we'll talk to him on the other side. We'll be back in just a short couple of minutes. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap right here on the Black College Sports Network. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvay. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time 
on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the Sporting HBCU Dashboard, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. Joining us is Coach Rossi Norman. Coach, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well, fellas. How y'all doing? It's Sunday. I always enjoy my Sundays, hanging out with my fellas, everything like that. Hey, real quickly, remember last week we were talking about um, someone putting a comment that the reason why, you know, youngsters don't go to HBCUs because they don't understand. I said because they don't know the history. I just saw this commercial on BT. I don't know if you guys seen it. It's about, it's what, a, a mom, a dad, the kids are in the back. And they're going on like on a road trip, and the dad uh-huh. says, I'm, I'm, "Hey, I'm, I'm real glad you guys enjoyed my, my college." And he went to um, Hampton. So everybody's got um, they they show real quick that dad's got on his Hampton stuff. The mom says, "No, no, no, I want everybody to go to my school." And she went to Howard. So that goes back to the HU that we talked about at the beginning of the season, right? So the kid, he's in the back. He's like, "Well, there's one school I do want to visit." And they're like, "What school is that?" Next thing you know, he's got an A and T Letterman jacket and a hat. <laughs> so mom and dad, they got this funny frown on their face. I was like, "Wow, okay." Well, good thing is, just go back to what we were saying, you know, they're teaching them his tradition and his history, and they're, they're driving them around to different universities. I got a niece that goes to A&T. She loves it out there. I got another niece at Prairie View. She loves it out there. Hopefully, Uncle Frost can get his butt on a campus where I can love it somewhere. I hear you. Um, I think there was some special... I, we've talked about that commercial before. Um, I forgot what... You know, that might have been a... What was that? Was that a car dealership? That was a. Yes, it was. It was a car. I forgot what car. I think it might have been a Toyota. Could be wrong, but I think it was. It was. It was definitely a car commercial. Probably a. uh, Anyway, but I I know. I know the commercial you're talking about, and I thought that. Yeah, I I thought that was kind of cute. It it did seem kind of. uh, I don't know. I felt I felt some kind of way seeing Howard Hampton. And then A and T. Maybe maybe that's my old MIAC days of, of of having to go up FAMU having to go up against those three schools all the time. And I, but I, I did feel some kind of way uh, about that. But I think uh, it's East Coast bias, honestly. East Coast. That, thank you. Maybe that's what it was. A little East Coast bias there. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't know. Hey, well, congratulations, you guys on uh, FAMU. You guys won pretty big this last weekend. When I seen that score, I was like, "Whoa!" That that says a statement right there. Yeah, hey, look, um, that's the first time that I think a FAMU had scored in all four quarters. B that they scored forty over forty points, hell, over thirty one points uh, this season. So I mean, they feel like they kind of put it together. Uh, really, a lot of teams put it together, Coach. I mean, 
you know, there, that's why, like, there was a lot of blowouts. And it all started Thursday night. I mean, that Thursday night game was absolutely ridiculous. Man. Um, Man. I mean, what did Central do to – what did Buddy Pugh do to Central for them to beat him like that on his way out? To I think I think maybe he's been beating them for several years in a row. I don't know the history, but I'm just thinking because when I saw that, probably, after, after probably. they got past 40, I'm thinking, okay, you obviously got this game in control, jump to a double tight, just run the ball. You can run the ball. They got they got a good offensive line. They got good backs. Hey man, they kept that thing in the air, and I was like, okay, this this is personal. You don't send the, the legend out like that, but you know it is what it is. That was a good game. Um, let's talk about a little bit. Disappointed in South Carolina State's offensive line. Everybody knows I've been praying for them all year long. They're big. They're physical. They're strong. What what I look for. Um, that quarterback man, he got sacked a couple times. He was uh, rushing left, right. He did have a good play. Number five scored the first two touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken. And then that running back they got, um, how old I think his name is, he had a nice run. Um, they opened it was a nice big hole. He hit it real good. But other than that, I mean that that uh North Carolina Central defense was on them, man. They was on their head all game. And offensively for, for North Carolina Central, once again, that offensive line, they did a good job for them. Cause that quarterback, I mean, he he looked well. He looked like pro material, brother. He was back there just completing them, dropping them, deep balls. Whatever he wanted to do, he could do. He had time. That run game, um, I, I think I remember just they threw the ball more than they ran it, but they they the running was successful. But it was right there. After a while, I was just thinking, wow, what's really going on here? You don't you don't do Coach Pew like this. So I'm thinking he must have beat them four or five years in a row to where the coach says, This is my year, I'm gonna get him. Yeah, I think they had won the last three years in a row. Uh I think this is Oliver's. So Oliver hadn't won against uh coach uh pew that's and a fact and this was his okay yeah this was his last chance let me ask from the perspective obviously i know you're not there in you don't know you're not in the in the huddle or the locker room but from just the visual when you see those kind of breakdowns like i mean guys were wide open i mean i might have caught a pass wide open as guys were what is that how does that happen? I mean, does the short week really factor into? Hey, Brian, can you hear me, brother? You're breaking up. You cut now again. You're, you maybe not you do your hand like maybe you got to do your hand like this again. You know, hold the antenna. <laughs> I, I swear, you guys. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with that. Um, anyway, it's called Amazon. About a short week, Brian. I, I just caught this one. I'm not. Go ahead. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. You're going about a short week. Um, in a short week, yeah, everything moves a little faster. It's like cramming for an exam. You know, you you know, we always talk about um all nighters, and I have to personally say, I I, I never did one until I went back to Langston and finished my degree an all nighter. So you you're putting everything into a quick week because you play on that Thursday. Let's rewind the tape a little bit. You come back that Sunday. Um, you watch film. You watch the previous games. You go out there. You condition. You stretch. Coach says, okay, you know, we got um North Carolina Central coming up. They are considered the best team in, you know, football, but we have a chance to make history. We've beaten them three years in a row. You know, then Monday come around, you pump the weights a little bit, you go to practice, you work on your kicking game, work on your run game, defense, you've recognized formations, which means you throw up. Uh, do they do a two-by-two two or two-by-one, three-by-one, which three receivers to the left, to the right, single back, for those who don't understand my lingo. And so so, so your, your, your week goes by a little faster than, than it was when you would just slow down and just ease up a little bit, plus your plan a very good football team and your coaches are on edge a little bit like, Hey, let's don't go out there and get embarrassed. You know, let's go out there and play to the best of our ability. 
And so you're, you're on edge a little bit, and then comes the game time. And so you just say, okay, here, we're here. We've had a good short week of practice. Let's get out there and show what we can do. And I was just – I just had my head down, man, because I was just like, wow. Because once again, from the start to the finish, North Carolina Central was on their head. I mean, they, yeah. they, they was on them. They was on them, brother. I mean, they had spurts here and there. You know, the, the quarterback, he had a couple runs here and there. Then, like I said, the little Howell had a, he had a nice little run to the house. Number five, he had a – I remember the first play, they did a play action. The quarterback rolled out, hit number five in the, in the flats. He took it up for like 15 or 20 yards. Two series later, it was another play action, but he hit him in the backfield. Uh, he came out the backfield, caught the ball, and then like um, Lil Howell broke that one right there. But other than that, man, like I say, he was he was getting sacked. He was under pressure. They couldn't they couldn't do nothing. That that NCU defense, um, NCU NCCU defense is very very good. Uh, not as good as the one at Benedict. I don't care what division you're talking about. Benedict has a great defense. But they were just on their head. They just had their number. They just had their number. Once again, when it hits forty, I'm thinking to myself, okay, coach. Tap you know, out. you you you, yeah. you got the, you got this game, you got this game. But when they kept going, I'm thinking, that's what I'm thinking. Okay, he coach two must have beat this guy three four years in a row, and this one he's saying this is my year to get you back. Especially you're on your way out, you're gonna remember this one. So um, I'm just glad no one got hurt, no one no injuries. Um, I wish South Carolina. I think they got two more games. Hopefully, they can get these last two and send the legend out the way he needs to go, man. He, you know, he's a part of history. Um, I was watching um, HBCU go, and they were talking about some of the coaches and. Um, is it Alcorn had a coach named Marino? Marino I forgot Castro. his last. There you go, right there. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. Marino. And they talked about that, brother. And I was just like, you know, I hold Eddie Robinson in the highest regards. No one can take his spot. But I was just like, wow, okay. Because when you see this brother's resume and what he's done over them 30-some-odd years, you're just like, wow, okay. And, hey, I'm going to tell you fellas right now, and everybody in the chat, I'm just thinking one day when it's all over, said and done, I want somebody to talk about Frosty Norman like that. You know, hey, several championships. I mean, this man just had a list of guys he sent to the – I mean, the list just kept going down and down and down. All the guys he went to the – like, Leslie Frazier played for him and everything like that. Um, I was just like, wow, I mean, very, very impressive. Uh, good guy, well-respected. I think the commissioner of one of the leagues played for him. He was like, hey, he had our attention. When he came into the locker room, everybody was like, yes, sir. And I was like, I, I like that. I like that. So, um, hat, I mean, hats off to Coach Marino. Not to get off subject here, Brian, but I just wanted to, you know, throw that brother some accolades. But short weeks – are they're intensified you're moving a little faster but unfortunately they got um embarrassed is that the word for it uh-huh. that, that would be a good word yeah that, that'd be <laughs> that'd be that'd be the word i'd go with um wow yeah i don't know how do you you know i don't, I don't know how i don't know you know south carolina state i'm trying to see did they win their they won last week so they really are sitting at one and one and at this point you're kind of just hoping for somebody to well, it, Howard. Yeah, you need two, you need two losses by North Carolina Central, and they've only got three games left in the. That's conference. not going to happen. All, all a three-way tie. Okay. Three so you better hope for the three-way tie because North Carolina Central is not losing two games. They they're too good unless unless something drastically happens, they get some injuries, some hurts, or something like that. But as long as them brothers are staying healthy, they're they're they're, they're going to make it. All right, well, let's move well, over. Oh, just to ahead. say that, just yeah. let's throw this in. South, uh, South Carolina State could create their own three-way tie scenario. Uh, they they beat Howard, and Howard beat Central. Okay, there you go. Yeah, that was who are they next three-way tie hey, Who are they next two games? I forgot who they. I know who? they got two games left. South Carolina State. 
Yes, sir. South Carolina State. Actually, South Carolina State has Howard this week. And then they have Morgan followed by Norfolk. Oh, so they got uh, quickly going hands. down the uh, okay. two schedules. Yeah, quickly going down the schedules. Central has Norfolk, Howard, De- Delaware State. And then yeah. Howard has, of course, South Carolina State, Central, and Morgan State. Howard has the toughest schedule down the stretch of those three teams. North Carolina Central is on the table. Now, why do you say that? Because of just the order? Well, yeah. I mean, South Carolina State, yeah, South Carolina State is not going to lay an egg again, not two weeks in a row. They may get beat, but they won't lay an egg like that. You sure? <laughs> I, I didn't say they won't get beat, Brian. I, well, what, I mean, what? I didn't what? say they won't get beat. I, they, laid a, they, laid a, they laid a big goose. They laid a, a pterodactyl egg. Yeah. Hey, I, I don't I don't know what I'd love to know. I'd love to know what you saw that I haven't seen because that's this team I've seen I've seen South Carolina they State teams that are worse than them. They, again, let me go through their wins. Their wins are against Citadel. Citadel, I think, hasn't won a game in the FCS this year. They beat Virginia Union Lynchburg before we <laughs> UL well figured it out. And started beating people, or either they replaced the quarterback, or added an offensive coordinator, or maybe got some people back on the roster. They BUL did something, and they are a totally different team than the team they played previously. And then they beat Delaware State, a, a Delaware State that uh, everybody should beat Delaware State. I mean, so and they're ranked number one twenty-eight. Yeah, thank you. So you beat team number one twenty-eight, team one twenty-five. And the team that's not even on the chart. I, I, <laughs> Come on, fellas. Hey, okay. But they still they still have Central and Morgan State on the schedule. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, all right, Coach. You can see there's not a lot of positivity here for the, for the nonsense. But okay. Uh, <laughs> no Grambling. 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 28 to 14 win over Bethune Cookman. Even up their record at 4 and 4 overall. Three and two in the conference, uh, sitting right on the outside of first place in the in the wild wild west of the sweat. What was your evaluation of what you saw uh, from from uh, Grambling against uh, Bethune? I'm, go- I'm going through my little memory notes right now. Grambling Bethune, correct? Grambling runs that ball very well. Um, That's what they do. Yes, sir. They, 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 they can go three deep. You know, they, they don't have just a particular guy back there. Now, they got one little guy. I forgot his name. He's he's um smaller than the other two, but he's fast. I think he had like 100 in the first half. Because I only saw the first half of the game. Then I switched over to the Medi City Classic. I think that brother had a little over like 103, 104 by halftime. He, he was getting – he had a nice long run, but he was getting busy with the ball. Um, Bethune – they're, they're, they're a little better than Pine Bluff because they can score. They can move the ball. Um, they they went they played two different quarterbacks, if I'm not mistaken. Neither one of them looked very well to me. Um, they scored on, uh, I think it was like a fourth and one, and they didn't get it. And the guy turned around and, had, and tossed it to like number three, and the hole was there. And he shot through the hole real fast and took it like 50 or 60. I'm like, whoa. Cause it, cause the, I mean, they, they, they showed the play like three times. Like, hey, was this a reverse or a handoff? And it just so happened the guy just happened to be there at the right time. You know, you're talking about he, the opening. Was that uh, yes, Bethune's opening drive? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And he okay. happened to be there at the right place, right time. And he took it to the house. Um, and then the next time they scored was, um, uh, 
second quarter. Yeah, Grambling scored uh, one, two, three straight times after that. It was yeah. off a of fumble recovery. But then yeah, scored yeah, off fumble, fumble recovery. recovery. Yeah, yeah, because the running back, I think, yeah, running back had fumbled. He was on the ball like a loaf of bread, and the, and the guy from um, Bethune hit it. The defensive player hit it, and he fumbled, picked it up, scooped it, took it the other way. Um, I was very, very um, – let me see, what was I saying? Distraught a little bit, not distraught, but kind of astonished. Astonished with uh, Grambling fumbling because they run the ball so well. So fumbling is not something that you see them doing. So when they did that, I was like, whoa, okay. You know, um, but once again, they run the ball well. I think when I turned it, it was um, – what was it, 21-14 and a half? Cause that's when that's when I turned it over to the Magic City Classics. I wanted to see that game because everybody talked about that game so much. Yeah, it was um, 21, I, uh, 21, to, 21 14 at the half. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then um, like I say, I saw I saw the first half. Um, Grambling's offensive line, I will say this, they they run block very well. They're not as big as the ones from South Carolina State. Um, those guys are 6'2, 6'3, 283, 288, which is nice size, not real big, not small, nice size guys. So they, they run block very well. But I did see this and I was like, whoa, that quarterback Crowley, I think Crowley's your quarterback, correct? Um, second quarter, late first, second quarter, um, they're not very good on the right side. Cause they let this defensive end come in. Man, he kind of reminded me of Lawrence Taylor when he hit this brother. He hit him, but the the hit looked harder than what it really was because he flattened his cap. You know, that's where we used to use back in the early 90s. I mean, he, he popped that brother. Bah! And his legs in the air, his helmet's in the ground, everything like that. But a few seconds later, he popped right back up and jogged to the sideline. So I'm saying, okay, so that hit wasn't as bad as we looked. But when you look at it, you're like, oh, wow. He discombobulated that brother. And then I say the very next series, right up the middle. Oof! Bah! Again. So, and I remember the commentator said, they need to fix that right side. So I'm thinking, okay, if I'm Hugh Jackson, my quarterback's out there. He's playing well for him. He's getting killed. I need to put my running back on the right side of him or I go to a double tight to give him some more protection over there because that right side was not 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 um, in passport formations. They was getting killed. But other than that, I remember them running the ball very well. That one brother had 100 yards at halftime. Um, 21-14 is really not a bad score to have. Can you finish? Um, what was the final score? Was it bad? They get blew out? No, it was 28-14. They only scored one other time in the fourth quarter. What, oh, what they on the ground again? They ran it? Grambling uh, scored uh, one other time. Um, it was a uh, yeah, 34-yard run by Floyd Chalk. Three plays, 43 yards. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, they got a good. They they got they probably got one of the best run games in HBCU football going right now. Um, if I'm Hugh, I'd probably just limit my passing. I know I know you want to get your quarterback, you know, some some throws in, uh, keep him to the short yardage, tighten up that right side of the line. Because I mean that that one hit was like. You can't too, too, you can't take too many more of those. You just really can't. Even if it was not a hard hit or not, I can tell you he, he's feeling it today. Like, wow, because that brother came in and, and he lit him up. And then I switched over to the Magic City Classic. And right when I switched over to Magic City Classic, it was halftime for them because I taught the second half. And it was the bands. Because, you know, I'm HBCU guys, so we love the bands and the girls. And they shaking, wiggling. I'm, I'm sitting there like, like hey, okay, who I'm doing my thug thizzle, right? And I remember oh, um, Dr. Cavill. Every week, Dr. Cavill always goes over to bands, and he always has my school, Langston, number one. And not to be a hater or nothing like this, they look good, but they can't mess with the orange and blue, baby. We still number one. Uh, I, I, I don't know what which rank which rankings are these, Drew. What? There's so many rankings what? out there. What rank? What? Do you watch the Dr. Cavill show? I mean, I, I don't know how many rankings, but I know. Cavill's band report. For about oh. three weeks in a row, Langston's been number one. Yeah. Inside bar, uh, just for those, since we are talking about bands, uh, coming up in our final hour of the show, 
we will have representatives from the band of the year live here on the BCSN Sports Wrap. So if you got questions about the band portion of the uh, Celebration Bowl events, start putting those in the chat. We, we want to make sure we uh, try to get as many of your questions in when we get to that portion of the show. All right, I'm sorry. I'm off, I'm off my sidebar now. Yeah. No, 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 All you're right. good, you're good. Now, the second half of the uh, Magic City Classic, um, Brian, refresh, what was that score at the halftime? So at, at halftime, your your score was uh uh 17-14. 17-14, okay. 17-14 Alabama State. Uh, and then up, um yeah. somebody came I'm, uh who was who was wearing burgundy and somebody was in white. Who was in what? State state was in black. Um black? Yeah, state was in black jersey, white white helmets, white pants. Okay. And, uh, okay. All white. All white was Alabama. And then and then was in burgundy, right? Yeah. Okay, okay. Langford, um, Langford's a good quarterback. He was he was getting pressured a little bit, um, rushed around. He had a couple good runs, had a couple good throws, but he was getting pressured. I know one time he threw an interception. That's like this second half, he threw an interception, and um Connor Mayner walked over there and, and he he did what I would have done, no need to yell at him, but he just put his hand on him and he had some words to say to him um for about eight to ten seconds. And you can just imagine what he's probably saying, like, hey man, did you not see the guy wide open? Something like that. Um I thought that was a good game. You know, like I say, I've been hearing about that classic for a long time. Um, kudos to Eddie Robinson, his boys. Um, O-line-wise for Alabama State, they did a good job blocking. I was I was impressed with them. They did a good job blocking. Once again, they're like Grambling. They're, they're not very big. They're not like South Carolina. They're not just great big 320-350s. They're 285, 289, something like that. But they move well. I would, you know, I'm looking at the feet, the hips, the hand parchment. They got a good O-line coach. Them boys as well, disciplined, organized. Um, Alabama A&M, like I say, um, old boy did get sacked. Langford got sacked a couple times. He got pressured a bunch of times. He's on the run. So I was just thinking, what's going on with the O-line? Because um, I know, Brian, a couple weeks ago, you caught him, you know, when they beat up Cupcake, something like that. But I'm still thinking, you're getting better. It's called practicing momentum, getting, you know, you, you get to physically hit somebody else. So, but they was, um, they didn't, um, they didn't do a job that I thought they would do. But, you know, the game, I was impressed with the game. Um, like I say, Langford sticks out in my head a little bit. He's a good quarterback. I mean, he really, I, I, I like him a lot. I like him a lot. Him and um, Blood from Southern, I'm, them the two that I really like a lot out there in HBCU right now that I just give thumbs up to. Like, hey, them, them brothers playing real good football. But I enjoyed the Magic City Classic. Um, was impressed with it. Let me ask this. what's uh, what Which classic have you been to in terms of atmosphere and everything that you that you enjoyed – going to um when i was at langston we had one where we played um arkansas pine bluff called the tim m chris classic tim m chris is an old school coach at langston coached there for uh 20 30 some years so we had a, a classic in ardmore oklahoma nice stadium out there i don't know if it was a high school stadium or not but we played them there this was a uh, fall 1996 and it was a uh, bands both sides um black people everywhere not to be racist and like that but it was a it was a, it was a great moment to be a part of that one there. And I say that's the one as a player. I haven't been a part of one as a coach, but as a player, um, no, I'm lying. When I went back to school in 1999 and finished my degree at Langston, we played We played in a classic. I was a coach, young coach then, first year coach in 1999. Uh, I'm going to have to sit and think about that one there. But I just remember the one we, when I played it at, at uh, when we played um, Arkansas Pine Bluff, that one there, I just liked it because 
I liked it because the music kept going all night. The referees going to say, hey, stop the band. They just kept letting the bands play. And then, of course, you know me, I'm young, and the girls is wiggling and everything. And Coach like, try to get focused. I'm like, yes, sir. And I'm still looking over at the corner like, wow, okay. <laughs> you know, so it was just the, the atmosphere and everything like that. When you look up, you just saw black folks. Once again, not to be racist, I'm not racist, but you just saw black folks all around. Nobody was leaving early. Hint, hint, hint. <laughs> Everybody was there to the end. Hey, and hey. it was raining. Huh? It uh, was raining, and we still had. Yeah. I'm gonna say we had about eighteen to twenty thousand there, and everybody stayed there to the last second. Langston won the game. Thank you. But hey, uh, great, great classic. Chuck Hunt dropped one in here. He was at the '96 Grambling and Langston game. Oh, we won that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We that's the game I went. I tell you guys, I ran up Eddie Robinson. Hey, coach, thank you for what you do. And he, and he shook my hand. I said, I don't want to wash my hand. I just shook Eddie Robinson. So, yeah, hey, brother, that was a great game. I remember that one there. We played at Grambling. Biggest game in school history to this day when we played Grambling at Grambling. We won that game. And every time I meet someone, I always say, you went to Grambling? When was you there? And when he say 96, I say, oh, did you happen to be at the game? And they, they give you this funny look. I'm like, oh, I ain't trying to rub it in. But uh, we did win that game. You know, <laughs> we won that game, yes. All right. I know, um, I know before you say something, Drew, I know we didn't win this weekend. We got the brakes beat off of us. I'm gonna beat you to it. Kind of like kind of like Eminem went on the rap show. Like you do gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta beat him to it. You gotta tell me. I wasn't gonna mention it. Drew was hey how long hey coach on his face. We already talked about that earlier today when uh, you and I chatted uh, on the phone. Hey, I, 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 I can see it on your face. I just want to throw it out there. Yes, I know we lost everything like that, but at one time we did, you know, we 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 weren't undefeated. But we did do the beatings most of the times. But to the guy in that chat, Brian, yes, I was, you know, very proud as a player to be a part of that game, the Pine Bluff game. Just very excited to be a part of, you know, the experience that you get as a player. Now, like I said, when I went back to Langston 99, I started coaching. I was my first year coaching, 25 years old, and just excited to be on the sideline. And I'm just soaking up everything that everybody's coming at me with. Assistants, GAs, head coaches, water boys, trainers, whatever you had coming at me, I was just soaking it up like a sponge because I'm new. You know, I'm new to the game. I told myself for the first 10 years, just be quiet and soak up everything. And I did that. I learned a lot from a lot of different people. Um, so I'm not trying to get off subject or anything like that. Let me, but talk to me. Yeah, I was gonna say, let me let me let me kind of wrap it up with this thought here about November because it's kind of with the change and what and I think today's I think Saturday's games were kind of indicative of a, a particular point in the season. We saw a lot of scores, a lot of three touchdown or more margins so i want you to kind of talk about coach the what is the planning like for coaches and staffs when you are let's just keep it real when you're not necessarily playing for a title these last three to four games that most everybody has and let's say if you if you look at the standings i know everybody uses the term one and oh these days right but i don't recall that you know, maybe the last maybe the last three, four, or five years, that's kind of been this term, terminology, or this thing. But talk a little bit about the mindset of coaches and players, or what is the messaging like this time of year for coaches, especially when you have a team that is not in the upper level of the standings. One, you never want to let your team know we're out of it. 
you don't want to do that because then you know they'll fold down on you like okay we're out of it then what are we doing you know then they're gonna bull crap practice and you don't want that you still want hard intense practices so you're letting them know hey fellas there's a possibility now this is um psychologically how you how you how you get your boys to understand what you're trying to do you're you're, you're lying but you're not lying if you understand what i'm saying you're saying hey fellas we still may have a shot you thought that we still may have a shot at this so we still need to practice hard come to practice every every day on time do things right defense need to continue pursue drills, hitting drills, work our kicking game, go work our run game, you know, quarterback receivers, everything like that. Because because if we win this week and next week and that and and that and, and we're just gonna say Norman University loses, then we have a shot at this, fellas. Now, we know as a head coach, I know we don't, but we need our boys to understand, hey, let's just continue to play hard, fast, physical, and you may win two or three, or you may run the table, and then at the end of it, you may be four and six, four and seven, or something like that. You should you under that five hundred mark. And you say, hey, fellas, you know, um, Norman University, it was a head-to-head with them and and Drew University and Drew won by a point, which knocks us out. You know, they as a player, you're, you're not into that stuff. You just want to know, are we are we moving to the next level? So then as a coach, you say, hey, you know, you know, hey, I appreciate the effort you guys gave me. We made a statement. Um, seniors, we sent you off on a positive note. We won the last three. Uh, juniors, sophomores, freshmen, uh, look forward to seeing you guys in the weight room in a couple weeks from now, getting ready for the spring. Um, coaches, you know, you tell your coaches, hey, you know, what do we got to do? What where we where we weak at? Always me, I always look offensive line. I always want to make sure I got plenty of offensive linemen because I like to run the ball. And then we start looking for guys on the defense who can run fast, physical, hit you. Um, as a player, you're listening to your coach because once again, you're not really reading the clip like, oh, oh Norman University, they're out of it. No matter if they run the table, they're not going to do it because you're like, Coach Norman just said, if we win these next three, we can win it. So you're telling your boys in the, in the dorm room. Or in the, in the weight room or the lunch room, whatever, like, hey, fellas, you know, we, we, we can win this. We're a lot better than what we showed these first four or five games. We can win this. And you come together and you win them. And if you move forward, you move forward. If not, like I said, you sent your seniors out with a positive note. Junior, sophomore, freshman, you, you feel good about the way you ended. Get ready for spring. Back to the coaching point, you feel good because you've won three in a row. So now you ain't got to worry about the 80s. And uh, I need to see you in my office. We need to talk about the contract. Like, <laughs> You don't think like that, you know, or or when you're walking on campus, everybody looking at you. Remember that? Remember that? Say the uh, dead man walking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and then they said they give you the gas face. You walk in, you like everybody. Like, remember in the beginning, like, hey, coach, and everybody look at you like, and you're like, hey, 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 Doctor Norman, hey, hey, Miss Hudson, and they like, well, at least you won your last. Right. Year, so like, hey, coach, hey, hey, wait, good, hey, good job finishing up. Can't wait till next year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna be much better next year. And, and you and so you like, okay. Good. Everything like that. So it's a psychological game that you play with your team and your coaches and you just try to finish up strong, healthy, like I say, send the seniors out with a bang and get ready for the next season. But that's usually me, myself, how we go about it. You got to tell your team, hey, we still have a shot at this. We don't believe hey, the press clickers, don't believe the media. We still have a shot at this. Yes, sir. I was going to say, you, you know, whenever you walk into that meeting with your athletic director or whoever your superior is and either A, you see human resources, or B, you see security, either in the meeting or directly outside the door. Just, just turn around. Where do I sign? And go at, and say, can I get some of the? Can I get some of them empty paper boxes so I can clean out my office? <laughs> not that I, that's not why. that this happened to a brother before. <laughs> oh, hey, we we won't. Hey, you know what they say? Coach, coach, you ain't working. Yeah, oh yeah, you, everybody you been fired. Everybody's been fired. Exactly. You know, I remember when I first started coaching in 1999. I remember this old guy, not to get upset, but this old guy. When I say, oh, he was he was already late 60s, early 70s. He say, um, 
they always call me youngster because I was I was 25 and everybody else was 65 up. So they say, youngster, you married? And I say, no, sir. He says, he, he says, good. I said, why you say good? He said, because this is a profession where we all get fired. So you might be here today, there tomorrow, California. He said, and, uh, your wife, she ain't going to like moving a lot. So you may want to take your time. Could be one reason why I just turned 51. I'm still single. Love women, but I'm still single. Because you're right, Brian. We, we I mean, uh, Drew, we, we do get fired. And it's not, and you can't take it personal. It happens in this business. It, it just happens. When you get, when you enter the administration or the coaching field, you get fired. Anyone who ain't never been fired, he ain't did no coaching. He ain't did, he, he must, he's a little league coach where they don't get paid. He's out to work for free or something like that. But if you're in our profession where you actually get a check, everybody's been fired. It's part of the game. Keep your head up. Keep moving forward. Can I ask you one uh, one question about? Uh, I know we got to go to the next thing, but I got one. I got one on the field questions. I got to get off. Talk to me. Uh, I, I was at the uh, Albany State Miles game uh, this past Saturday, and quarterback Edward Klein, Peter, one of the best quarterbacks in the SIAC conference, goes down in the quarterback first for who? Series. Quarterback for who? Miles. Okay, that's that's the big kid. I'm that's, talking about. That's, 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 that, that's okay. your Cam Newton. Okay. 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 Yeah. 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 Okay. Go goes down in the first series. He's out. He's out for the game. I and I need you to hit this from both sides, from the team that lost their quarterback. How does that affect you in the immediacy of the moment and everything that you had on that clipboard as a coach? How do you, how how does that change everything? And how do you approach that? And then be on the other side. The opposing team's quarterback just went out. Now, what do you do to make sure that your guys stay focused and fired up and don't slack up? Because okay, one of the best quarterbacks in the conference just went down, but they do got somebody who who takes snaps in practice also as a backup who plays in part of the two the two quarterback system. Just kind of go through that for me. You 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 kind of hit on a little bit. You always want to make sure you're repping two guys in practices. You don't want to just give one guy all the reps, another guy just sitting there holding the ball or a clipboard. You want to always have him ready because you just never know. We got this thing called next man up. Okay, so my my guy goes down, next man up. Come remember earlier we always talk about who's that? You look good at your twos and your threes, and saying you're feeling you're comfortable. So if you already know you got a guy who's get he's getting 20, 30 reps every practice, and he's going against the defense everywhere like that. He's completing his passes. He knows how to take off and run. So you feel good now. He's not that guy, you know, so, so you're missing something. But, you know, he can get you through this game unless he was wrong with, with, with our guy, but he can get you through this game. Other side of the field, you're excited because he just went down, and usually the rule of thumb is number two is not better than number one. That's not always true, though. We, we've seen plenty of guys come in. Look at the guy from the 49ers. What, he was like look, three, three, look three. Look at Alcorn State. Alcorn yeah, State you know did it every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, but, you know, sometimes, you know, coach always say, hey, there's a reason why he's number one, he's number two. He's not as good as this guy. So that can't always be true. But when that first guy goes down, you're saying, okay, cool. Now me, as a D coordinator, I say, let's knock out the first two guys. Because we know this. Three is definitely not better than two and one. That's what he's like. <laughs> three. We definitely know that already. Three is not better than two and one. So let's knock two out two, and let's keep rolling that way there. Um, you want to hope that the kid's not hurt, that where he can't, you know, that's the end of his career. Because you don't ever, that's not why we play the game. We play to have fun and win, win everything like that. But when you get him out as a coach on the other side, you're like, okay, cool. Now, we've done some homework on number two. We know number two is pretty good, but he's not number one. So we're feeling good. And you look at your D.C. and you say, blitz him. Blitz him. First, second, third down. Blitz him. I want to see what this kid's made of. Can he beat me? Can he beat us? Blitz him. Back to the other side. You as a head coach, you're looking at him like, hey, okay, you've been here. You've got your reps. You know the playbook. Breathe. 
go out there. I always tell my quarterbacks this. You don't have to win the game. Just don't lose the game. You don't have to win the game. What I mean by that is you ain't got to go out there and throw for 500. You ain't got to go out there and run for six, six touchdowns. Don't be out there throwing interceptions. Don't be out there fumbling. Breathe. Hand the ball to the running backs. Go through your progressions, everything like that. You ain't got to win the game. Just don't lose the game. That's how I can answer that one, brother. Gotcha. Well said. All right. Well, Coach, this upcoming weekend, we've got two of the big three SIC matchups right on the Black College Sports Network. Um, of course, we've got the uh, um, the Skeegee at Miles contest, and then we have the Allen at Benedict Miles. So That's those, what are I want games, to those are My- two games. Like Brian, you know what time that one's coming? I want to see the I want to see the Miles Benedict. I mean the Allen Benedict. You know what time that one's gonna be on? You give uh, me just a sec. I know Tuskegee and Miles is at four o'clock central time, five o'clock eastern. So that would be three o'clock where you are at, coach. Yes, sir. Uh and I'll I'll pull up the Miles Benedict game. I think that's a two o'clock start. If I that's what I was gonna say, if a one or two o'clock start, if I remember. Which means it's eleven o'clock my time. Uh, I'm pulling it up right now. I definitely want to see the Allen Benedict game there. Yes, right two there, o'clock there, Eastern. That's two o'clock Eastern, Coach. Ooh, two o'clock Eastern, which would be two one twelve o'clock my time. Okay, okay, I'm on that one, Brian. You guys, I'll be watching that one for sure. I'll be watching that. And you say it's on the network. It yes. Is, as, as okay. Well I guess Miles one is on the network as well. So okay, I definitely want to see the Allen. Um, Alan Benedict, come to find out, um, you guys probably already knew this, but I just known this the other day. Alan and Benedict is like what down the street from each other. You could throw a rock at the back window. Yeah. You know, I was like, I did not know that. I'm thinking, how does two build two historically black colleges and universities that close at the same level? And um, I was telling AD, I'm like, do they? I wonder if they poach each other's players. Just you know, just being in the coach, you just I'm like, hey, what's up, man? You want to come on over here? You know, we got facilities. We got this. We got that. No, nah, coach, I'm good. And you run off or anything like that. Well, okay, I try. You know what I'm saying? Because when you're that close, it's going to happen. So when someone told me that they were that close, I'm thinking, the only schools I knew that was that close, they're different conferences, but it's Texas Southern and you versus Houston. They're right across the street from each other. When people used to say that, when I actually moved to Houston with my dad, I said, Dad, take me to Texas Southern. I said, because they say, my dad, look, he's my, he said, no, son, they're right across the street. So we parked and we walked to U of H and we walked right across the street to Texas Southern. I said, wow. So when I did my homework, I was like, they're that close? Two HBCUs that close, and they're in the same conference, same level. Wow. Okay. So they are that now. May be a championship. They may that may be a championship in itself. They're both good teams. But I'm definitely gonna watch that game. Yes, sir. Put me down. I'm definitely gonna watch that game, and I'll I'll go through the list you sent me, Brian, to find another one. But I'm definitely I'm definitely on that one. Yeah, and the big and the big two differences between these schools, you know, they're both church based schools. While Benedict is. A, based on the Baptist religion. Allen is based on the AME, was started by AME uh, people. So that's the uh, that's the, uh, one biggest difference between those two schools, even though they're both, they were both church-based schools when they first, first began. Hey, you know, as black folks, we love the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Most of our schools, either, either state schools or church schools, when they started, if people know the HBCU uh, history, Amen. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, make sure you guys are following Coach Farasi on uh, Twitter at Coach Farasi. 
on X rather. Uh, any any good stories to tell from from Twitter? Any good interactions? Any anything? No, um, not from Twitter, but I do got one today. I got up this morning to go do laundry. Laundry man, I just moved into a place. My nephew moved. He fell in love with his girl, so he he followed her. So the apartment was empty. Until, and you guys know I was standing. My brother sleeping on the couch for like the last month or so. So my nephew's like, "Hey, Unc, you can just go to my place. It's, it's it's you know it's there. I'm gonna be gone." So I said, "Okay." So this is where I'm at now. I'm over here at my nephew's. So at my brother's, I had a laundromat. I mean, we had a laundry washing dryer in the garage. When I was in Hawaii, I had my own washing dryer in the house. Well, now the laundromat is two blocks up the street. So I get up this morning, walking, go to the laundromat. I'm in the laundromat, separating whites and colors and everything like that. Grandma taught me that when I was seven. And I hear a Coach Norman, <laughs> Coach Norman. And I say, don't nobody really know me in this area, like by that name, you know, everything like that. So I look up and I see this guy and he's smiling, he's waving and he's running towards me. But he's saying, Coach Norman, so I'm not going to get on guard like, oh, you know, hey, hey, you don't know me like that. So he's, and he's running, Coach Norman. He said, do you remember me? So I say, who are you, young man? So he tells me his name. He said, I played for you in 08. Everything I said, oh, he was on my team in 2008. So he gave me a big hug and he introduced me. He said, Coach, this is my wife. He said, you remember her? I remember um, when I when I got here, I told you I met this girl. And so I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's like, this is her. And these are our kids. I think the oldest child is 13, the other one is 11. And you got two pretty little girls and a pretty little wife and everything like that. I'm like, you never left Albuquerque? He's like, no, sir, coach. He said, I stayed here. We, we dated for a while. We got married. He said, I'm getting ready to buy a house. I said, congratulations to you. He said, I got a good job. I'm doing well. I said, man, and tear came to my eye a little bit because as, as a coach, you always want to see your players doing well. So he says, hey, coach, I'm married, beautiful kids, everything like that. I got a job. So he tells me where he work at. I say, where you work at? And he looked at me and he started laughing. He says, I'm the manager of Burger King. I looked and I said, huh? And he says, before you say anything, coach, I make good money. So he, oh, told, yeah. me, he, told, me, he told me what he makes. I says, okay, I'm in the wrong profession. I need to go get an application. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that. <laughs> Burger King paying like that? I said, oh, hey. Whoppers and fries, here I come. You know, I've been on a diet. So Whoppers and fries, here I come. <laughs> but anyway, sum it up. He said the reason why we're at the laundromat is because our washers and dryers didn't get, get delivered tomorrow. He was telling me where he lived. We exchanged numbers, everything, and he just kept hugging on me. He kept saying, "Coach, man, I just owe you so much. I owe you so much." And I says, "You want to know how you repay me?" He says, "How?" I says, "Be a good husband to your wife. Be a good father to your kids. You repay Amen. Coach." And he, he just and he gave me a big old hug and kiss on the cheek. And I said, brother, good to see you. And uh, he's like, coach, anytime you you hungry, something like that, call me. I said, I don't really eat fast food, brother. If I'm going to move for a Whopper, I will call you. Young lady, good to meet you. Let's shake hands with the kids. And we turned away. I'm not going to – second week in a row, I didn't cry on your show. I think you guys be doing me like um, that one guy. We said, I'm not going to cry on your show. But um, it was just good to see the brother doing well. Because I remember when I recruited him at 18, 5, 10, 170 pounds, didn't have a lot of family support. You know, didn't get, he wanted to go to Texas or a and He's from Texas, but he had those kind of grades, and he had that kind of talent. He was decent, wasn't that good. But I'm like, hey, brother, I'd love for you to come play for Coach Norman. So he came with me. And I, I remember I had two small schools looking at him, but he fell in love with the girl. He's married now. got a family. And that's what you want for your boys or your girls, whatever you want you coach. I mean, I coach boys, everything like that. But as a coach, you just always want to see your athletes doing well. So that would be my story today, Brian. I mean, uh, bless the Lord. My nephew, you know, sent me over here to his apartment, laundry up the street. Running one of my players, been there since 2008, married, got two beautiful little girls, manager at Burger King, but hey, he makes good money and he's doing very well. And once again, you guys have coached, and that's, and then when you ever see one of your players say, hey, coach, man, I just want to say thank you. I'm just like, hey, no, hey, you know, hey, no, man, thank you for coming to play for me. But like I say, be a good husband to your, to, to your wife, be a good father to your kids, you pay me back. But 
it was good to see that brother doing well. And I just thumbs up. And that's what I'm bringing to the table. So if any president AD out there paying attention to me, that's what I want to see for all my boys. You know, we don't all play on Sunday, but there's so much more than Sunday. You know, there's, there's life. There's so much more than Sunday. There's life. And you want to see him being successful. Brian AD, I'm watching that game next week. I'll find another one. Uh, look forward to, you know, playing good music with the band next week. I'll watch the rest gotcha. of the show. You guys be gotcha. safe, brother. Love both of y'all, man. Appreciate it. All right, Coach. Appreciate you. Appreciate All right, that's, that's Coach uh, Farasi Norman. Make sure you follow him at Coach Farasi on X, the X Machine, formerly known as Twitter. Um, good stuff. Good stuff there. Uh, let's, Drew, let's kind of hang it here for just another few minutes, and then at the top of the hour, we can reset uh, because I think you said at the probably in about another 30, 30. At the bottom right? of the next hour, yes. Yeah, yeah. so we'll be talking right. – We'll be talking band of the year at the bottom of the next hour. All right. I did want to get into a couple of, of contests. I, I wanted to hit a couple of just a couple of quick points that I had regarding some of the FCS wins because I think everything, again, we're talking about big wins, right? I mean, in the SWAC, okay, for example, and I saw somebody in the comments. And I don't know if you started or not. Let me see if you started or not. Uh, okay. Uh, Tony. Tony Lee had, had posted something about NCU, North Carolina Central hate. I don't know where that's coming from. I, I, I don't. There's no hate on North Carolina Central. Even though, yes, we are Rattlers. Yes, we do have a love for Florida A&M. Uh, I, I don't think – I'm trying and, – and tell me if I'm wrong, Drew, be honest. I don't think there's been any hate coming from Central. Now, you know, if, if you ask me an honest question about who do I – how do I evaluate one versus two, uh, best team, you know, so on and so forth, uh, I won't dispute that North Carolina Central has – the better of the two uh, quarterbacks. And I say that because of number 11. I don't well, what, well, hold on, hold on. Why, well, it's obvious. What, what do you mean it's obvious? I, I was going to say I mean, because of his ability to run. Exactly. I was saying he's, he, and, and he's proven it over, the, he's proven it over the last two years where Musa has not been as consistent over the last two years. Davis Richard has, Pretty much been consistent over the last two years. Now, and I'm not taking a shot at Musa when I'm saying this, but right now, if you were to rank the top quarterback in HBCU football on the FCS level, it's it's Richard. Well, Musa yeah, I mean, he would probably he, come in at number two right now. Well, yeah, I mean, he like I said, the the passing, the you know. Uh, that, well, and that's not that's just like Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in in the NFL, but that's no slouch. That means Joe Burrow is not a slouch either, just because you're saying Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback. So I and, and so I, I guess where I where I start is you know sixty two to twenty eight win on Thursday, and Richard producing or being responsible for seven touchdowns, five passing, two rushing. 
Um, look, it, it was a great performance against a bad team. He did what he was supposed to do against a, I mean, a horrible, a horrible team that was put together poorly for that performance of that night, you know? And, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, look, uh, you know, I, I, I can't say it any clearer than that. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, what I'm going to go back and look at is I'm going to go look at, you know, statistics of offensive defense and common opponents. You said it yourself even as you evaluated teams, right? Um, you know, so I, I mean, my am my, I am I voting going to change one and two? No, it's not going to change. I'm still going to vote Florida A&M one. I'm still going to vote North Carolina Central two. Uh, will that will that change? It could. It could. But I think what would have to happen at this point in the season, I'd have to see what I saw from North Carolina Central again, not two weeks ago on Thursday, but this past Thursday. If I see that performance the next three weeks, closing out the MIAC and winning it, uh, yeah, I may have to change my vote and put North Carolina Central number one. I may have to. But... I don't know if that'll happen. You know? I, I, I agree with you, Brian. This is what I'm going to say. Right now, honestly, it doesn't matter who you vote one, who you vote two. Because these two teams are clearly the class of HBCU football right now. And they are on a collision course to meet in the celebration bowl this is not the last couple of years where a, a lot of people's number two was in the same division with everybody's number one and i mean jackson state and family when i'm saying that and it may not be bias or leaning one way or the other but th let's be real uh, clarence we see things through a lens and a lot of that, the, the coloration in that lens is based on where we went to school at and where our allegiances are. Now, I know me, I try to be as fair as possible with them. There's, I, I will talk about our FAMU offense as much as I'll talk about anybody, but I'm vested in it. And I follow FAMU a lot more than I follow Central. You probably follow Central. So you're going to have some Central bias. And the, one of the things that I try to do is I try to put that aside and look at the uh, and look at the numbers. That is one reason, honestly, as we get ready to go to break and talk about these polls, Brian, that is one reason why at the BCSN we did not allow people to vote. And we went with numbers to eliminate that perceived bias that Brian may have, I may have, and the other people who are part of this Black College Sports Network when it comes to voting would have because it, the natural tendency is going to lean towards your school if your school is competitive. 
what is the uh you have the strength of schedule don't you 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 have that you have that access don't you yes who who where where on the where on the street on our strength of schedule chart where is central and where is famu because and i I say that while you're figuring it but out. Central, Central, Central's going to have a better strength of schedule than FAMU. And, and part of that is... And, they, and there's no part to it. The, the the reason why Central has a better strength of schedule is most of the teams in the SWAC, over half of FAMU's schedule has teams rated lower than 100. Central is able to pick up a lot on the strength of schedule because of their non-conference that's uh, where I was going to go. That's if Central, go. if Central uh, played uh, an eight to ten game, if Central played the eight game eight conference games, schedule, schedule like FAMU does, their strength of schedule would be lower also. So, all of that said, these two, these two fruits aren't equal. One is an apple, one is an orange. They're both very tasty. They're both, you know, enjoyable. You know. Uh, at the end of the day, that's what we're comparing: apples and oranges. It's not equal. Okay. Just to give it, a, just to give it to you, uh, based on our metric, and this is something that goes into our metric. Uh, Central's strength of schedule is a thirty-eight point two. Van U's strength of schedule is a thirty point. Two. Oh wait a minute! So you're saying Florida A&M has a little higher no. Of schedule? No, thirty-eight versus thirty. So the higher the number, the better. So who has thirty? Fam, you has thirty. Central has thirty-eight on one of okay. our metrics. Okay, okay, higher, higher. Okay, so not okay. It's not by rankings, but okay. So I yeah. mean. And just, just 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 so everybody knows, and I'll go ahead and throw this out and we get ready to go to break. North Carolina AT has our highest, our toughest strength of schedule, followed by Hampton, followed by Delaware State, Morgan State, and Tennessee State. Wonder why Tennessee State? Is rated ahead of FAMU, has been rated ahead of FAMU in the BCSM rankings. That's one of the metrics, y'all. What'd you say to what was their strength of schedule again? Who is who is that? I didn't give out the numbers, I just gave the order. Oh, okay. So g- give yes. the order again. Give give the top five again. One to five. Top five. A and T. Number one is A and T. Okay. A and T. Hampton. And this is uh, this is F- this is FCS, uh, by the way, everybody. Hamptons and, two. And notice that two two schools out of the same conference. Okay, go ahead. All right, number three would be Dale State. Mm, Jesus. Okay. Number four would be Morgan State. Okay. Number five would be Tennessee State. Okay. Okay. By the way, just to throw it out there, Brian. You want to guess who's number six? Central. Yeah, never guess. No, I wouldn't. Valley, Valley. 
Well, you know, <laughs> a lot of teams in that top six that are losing games, with the exception of Tennessee State, which is why Tennessee State is surprisingly ranked number two in our last rankings. Um, but, you know. Should, should, should yeah. I, I, hold up, hold up, Brian. It, just just quickly, I got to do this since we can open up this rabbit hole. I'm going to quickly go over the bottom five. Well, I don't think you need to go through the bottom five. I mean, are you, unless you're going to say these are the easiest. So yes, that's what I mean. Okay, easiest. So, so say easiest, it that that's way. That's what I mean, the bottom five. Say it that way. Okay. These e- are the easiest, easiest schedule. schedules. Easiest schedule. All corn. Easiest. Okay. Number one, easiest. Southern. Second easiest. And I'm knowing that this looks like Texas Southern because these are not orders. So I'm, I'm skimming through these trying to figure these out. Texas Southern is three. Fam, you would be four, Brian. Okay. Interesting. Just above Fam, you is Pine Bluff at five. And just outside, as we call them, in the hunt. Jackson State. So essentially, the oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I left. I skipped one. I skipped one. Howard, Howard is behind FAMU. So Howard will be fifth. Now again, Howard is these fifth. are these are strength of schedules among HBCUs. Yes, HBCU correct? strength of schedule. Yes. Okay, HBCU strength of schedule. Okay. Um, let's go to break. Again, so get these rankings out the way and get ready for talks and band. All right. Uh, still got a few other notes I want to pour over regarding the uh, FCS um, teams and then this past weekend. So we'll take a short break. Very short. Looking for to see which which block I'm going to play here. Here, here. Oh, I don't have my band of year. I don't have my band of the year ad. Okay. Here we go. Uh, let's take a short break. Come back. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in just a moment. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never, ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. This is Brian Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. 
you're looking for the latest information on Southern University sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AB here. Um, Just want to uh, clear that out, uh, dear boys. Yes, those numbers that I gave out prior to the break are based on the uh, 1 through 100 scale, uh, dear boys. So, yes, uh, that's a good question, though. It's hard to give out numbers without clarifying the scale. All right. Uh couple of quick score updates. So just to quickly recap before we get into the top five. Over in the MIAC, of course, very familiar with the Thursday game. Big win by North Carolina Central, 62-28, to 28, covering a 14-and-a-half-point spread. Congratulations. Uh, probably the, the overhit, too, just by the way. Howard with just a – and I say just. Howard was a, I believe – a 18, yes, they were. They were an 18 point favorite traveling to Delaware State. They, o- they only won 17 to 10. Uh, at the half, Howard had a 10 to 7 lead. Um, the score was tied up in the third before uh, Howard ended up taking a lead in the fourth quarter uh, with nine minutes remaining. So, yeah. I don't know if that's a homecoming hangover game <laughs> or or what, but, uh, you know, uh, Howard not covering expectations, never a good thing. And then you had, <clears throat> excuse me, then you had sort of an upset, one of the homecoming upsets. I think there were, let me see, what were you? There were, there were, I, I had these uh, totaled up here. There were one, two, Three, four, five. Yeah, five homecoming games. Uh, three and two. Three wins, two losses. About, about, almost that's about what well, has been, well, been averaging. 60% winners, 40%, you know, on the other side, uh, Kentucky State beating Morehouse. Uh, Morehouse is still, Morehouse. He's is got still your wish, Brian. What's that? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The Morehouse Park <laughs> game. Somebody has to get a win this season, so um, that game will mean something. One of those. The misery are- in the AUC. That's what we're gonna do of that game. Ooh, I don't like that's kind of wordy, but anyway, you're all good. Uh, Saint Aug is also still winless. Lincoln, Missouri, still winless. So uh, one unbeaten, four winless HBCUs, and there will be at least one uh, because. Uh, Morehouse and Clark play each other. But anyway, Morgan State got a 32 to 28 win. This is the maddening thing about Morgan State. And somehow that they find a way to put a game like this against Norfolk State together. Um just kind of reading the summary here on the MEAC Sports page. Morgan State rally came to life in the fourth quarter with eleven minutes remaining as Keith Jenkins Jr. returned a kickoff for a 90-yard touchdown. 
A few short plays later, Eric Hunter completed a 60-yard pick six while rookie Todd Smith ran in the game-winning touchdown on a 14-yard play. So uh, just uh, I'm sorry for all my family friends, my family uh, disappointed and heartbroken. Morgan State outscored Norfolk State 22-7 on homecoming. Absolutely embarrassing for the Fulford family. Uh, so many, you know, of course, my my my, my people met uh, met at Norfolk State. So, behold, that one hurt. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and then uh, the other homecoming on the other side of the bay, Hampton with a 26 to 24 win over North Carolina A&T. Hampton was a three-point favorite, so they did not cover. Uh, you know, but they did get a they get they did get their quarterback and running back back. Burris the running back, Zealous the quarterback. Uh, so who knows? You know, Hampton is four and four. Maybe Hampton can find a way to finish off the last third of the season on uh, on a positive note. They were a pretty good team when everybody was healthy. It got kind of bad when they weren't. Yeah. Um, Did you talk about the uh, bad beat, Ryan? Okay. Going into the SWAT, where... Quickly. SWAT, never died. You moved again. was a six-point favorite over Bethune-Cookman. Alcorn, 24-3, victory over Mississippi Valley. Alcorn was an 18-and-a-half-point favorite. Jackson State, 40-14, to 14, winners over UAPB. Jackson State was a 21-point favorite. Um... FAMU, 45-7. First time FAMU has scored 40-something points this season. They were a 20-point favorite over Prairie View. I was honestly surprised that they were a 20-point favorite, to be honest with you. And then... Um, when the last time FAMU covered expectations that great? Yeah, I, I had to do some digging. It's been a while. It has been a while. And then Alabama State was a one-and-a-half-point favorite over Alabama A&M. They covered 31-16. The lone, the lone, oh, yeah, but if you had the total in that game, the total, what I tell you, the the total was 45? 45. The total was 45. There was a safety at the end of, what was that, the end of the game, Drew? Yes, three seconds left. Intentional safety. 
intentional safety. That, yes, that will somehow end up on bad beats because if you had the if you had the under, or yeah, that was a push going into that last. Play. Yeah, if you had under, or let me see, if you had, yeah, you were looking at a push. You were either getting your money back or you were winning. All of a sudden, the three second intentional safety cost you. Now I don't know how much money moved hands, but I got a feeling there were people at that Magic City Classic that weren't too happy seeing that intentional safety taken. So, um, yeah, that's a that's a bad beat. Tough one there. Southern University. Southern was an eleven point favorite. They were they were losing most of this ball game against Texas Southern. Ended up having to go into overtime. Southern ended up winning 23-17. All right. So with that said, let's get ready to take a look at our top five, our latest BCSN top five rankings. We do a mid-major, I'm sorry, a non-D1 and a Division One ranking. Non-D1 consists of Division Two and NAIA schools. These are computer-based rankings, no polls. So the bias that uh, I have and that Drew has is not a factor here. All right. I just had to say that, you know, so that way we're, we're crystal clear. Okay, let's no go. Shots, let's go here. Let's go. All right, here we go. In the hunt. What do we got? In the hunt. Computer rankings. Um, get out of the way. Let's see. We got Miles College, uh, six and three, five and two. Of course, we're familiar with their situation. Tuskegee still outside of the top five. That's interesting. Wonder if that could change if Tuskegee makes their way into the championship game. Uh, Allen Allen University sitting on the outside, six and two, five and two overall. If they beat Benedict, could they jump into the top five? And then Bowie State, five and four. Uh, with a chance to finish with a 500 record, four and three in conference play. That's our, what you might say if this was an old school traditional top 10, that would be six through nine. All right, number five. Looks very similar to last week. Fort Valley State coming in at number five, seven and two record overall, six and one. Uh, looking forward to their game against Albany State upcoming. Number four, Florida Memorial. Uh, big win over Southeastern University this past Saturday. Uh, five and three overall, four and one in conference play. I think they got a big conference matchup coming up this Saturday. Number three, Virginia State. Uh, big time win, seventy-five points this past weekend. Eight and one, six and one overall. And then number two will be Virginia Union. So we have a two versus three matchup coming up this Saturday at Hovey Field uh, in Richmond. And number one is Benedict College, the last and only unbeaten. Uh, and, and just to clarify. You know, something that uh, Clarence had asked us last week, the historical run that Benedict is on, of course, they if they finish off this game against Allen and win the SIC championship, they'll finish with 
two consecutive unbeaten regular seasons. And that has not been done since 2011 and 2012 when Winston-Salem State did that. Of course, they lost in the playoffs, the semifinals, national semifinals in 2011, or, or Final Four, however you want to think of it. And then they lost in the championship game in 2012. So um, there's our rundown. Benedict, Virginia Union, Virginia State. Uh, that's all right. Florida Memorial and Fort Valley State. Uh, Lawrence chimed in and said Florida Memorial can actually win the Sun Conference and get an AQ for the playoffs. I don't know. Are they Florida Memorial needs some help. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought they needed some help because they lost to one of the two teams in front of them. They lost to Kaiser. Yes, they Kaiser. lost to Kaiser, who's in front of them. So Kaiser would have to lose. And, of course, Florida Memorial has to win out and beat St. Thomas, who was the other team. I believe those two are tied at this point in time because Kaiser beat St. Thomas earlier this year. Yeah, so. So Kaiser uh, owns the, uh, well, Kaiser owns the tiebreak over both the two and the three team right now in the Sun Conference. Right. So still still a still a great season happening right now for Florida Memorial. So um we'll we'll keep our eyes posted and see uh what goes on there. Okay. Let's go over to the division one side, our top five on the D one side. Starting with our in the hunt teams. These are teams that are just outside of the top five Howard University we haven't seen the bison in a while so even though they didn't cover expectations they somehow found their way into the top five here or outside of the top five Hampton comes in right behind them and then you have Southern oh there's a motley crew of teams right there outside of the top 10 that would be six seven and eight if it were a traditional top 10 number five is Alabama State. I think we first time we've seen Alabama State in the top five this year. Uh, congratulations to uh, uh, to Coach Robinson on winning his second. I think that's the second consecutive Magic City Classic. He is swag. He keeps yeah. winning the Magic City Classic, Drew. That's two years in a row. And how many years has Coach Robinson been the coach at Alabama State? Two. Okay. Do the math. He is swat. Number four. Number four is Jackson State. Familiar spot for the Tigers. I'm still looking for Jackson State to wear those traditional helmets, but I guess those are long gone. Six and three, four and two in conference play. Uh, Number three, Florida A&M, winners of the SWAC East. Um. The last time, I'd love for one of our SWAC historians to tell us the last time that a school won their division since they've been going to divisions prior to November is when. Also keep in mind, when you ask that question, Brian, uh, they just recently went to an eight-game schedule. It used to be a seven-game SWAC schedule. So that may be a little tough to figure out. Okay. Good point. Number two is Tennessee State. Got a win over Lindenwood, uh, 43-20. to 
covered as 11-point favorites. Um, had a good discussion with my sister, who's a TSU alum, trying to figure out what's going on at Tennessee State. And it's a, that's a whole podcast. That's a whole show. It really is. It, it's, it's, it's a whole show. Um, somebody said, is, uh, is that, is that record right for, uh, who was the, what was, well, yeah, I think Tennessee state might be six and two. Six and two. Correct. All right. Thank you, Nick. Number one, North Carolina central. I, I think they've been number one in the rankings all season. No. Yes. Were they? Uh, no, I think Tennessee state was number one, one week. First, they opened the season number yes. one after the first four or five games. First four games, because we did the rankings after four games. Tennessee State was two and one, if I recall. And that's how they opened as number one on the rankings. Central was two. FAMU is three. FAMU has been at three all season. Yes. And so then after Tennessee State lost that first game as number one, Central has been number one ever since. So, hey, look, gives us something to talk about. You guys take a look and compare the computer rankings to a lot of the polls. Um, I know Drew and I are voters in various polls. Um, I know for Drew, I know Drew, I don't know about you, but on the on the Division One side, my top five all stays the same. Uh, I've got FAMU, Central. Tennessee State. I've actually got Alcorn ranked fourth, and then Jackson State fifth, and then that's where it gets interesting because my sixth team was A and M. <laughs> Southern was seven for me. I feel like Southern should have lost. I might move Alabama State up to six. I don't see why you wouldn't. Yeah, after seeing Prairie View. I think Prairie View's done. I won't be surprised to see Prairie. I'll be picking against Prairie View to close the season. I, I think they're done. Um, Hampton and Grambling might move back into my top 10. Uh, over on the non-D1 side, I had Benedict, Virginia Union. I had Miles as three. I don't know where to move Miles now. Maybe I don't want to take them out, but they're definitely going to drop some spots. How far up do I move Florida Memorial, who was ninth in my poll? Edward Waters, they were seventh. They'll probably drop out. Langston, who was 10th, will probably drop out as well. Where is Fayetteville? I have actually Fayetteville State ranked fourth. Okay. Yeah. I saw, let me see, Jeremiah says they wore the block on both sides last two weeks, but no stripe down the middle of the helmet. Well, that's a that's a problem, isn't it? So they've just gone away from that, I guess. Hmm? All right. So be it. So be it. All right. Um, any other any other comments there in the in the chats, Drew? Because I know coming up here uh, in a moment, we're going to get into talking about the latest uh, band of the year event uh, rankings. The second rankings came out. And so I know that's got people 
buzzing and chomping at the bit. Uh, Coach Oliver is in the fourth year and doing a great job. Uh, yeah, hey, he is doing a great job. That's the challenge for everybody is finding money to pay these coaches. It definitely is. It definitely is. Um, all right. What I can do, Drew, right now is are we going to take a break before we come in with our <laughs> – Looks like we got both our guests there. Yeah. Yeah, let's take a quick break, make sure they get themselves settled. And then we'll come back and we're gonna talk, we're gonna talk bands. We're gonna talk the halftime entertainment. Some of y'all come to the stadium for the football game. Some of y'all come to watch the band. People like me, I come to do both, but that's just me, Brian. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about yeah. anybody else. Well, it's, it definitely has been interesting watching the, the band of the year competition play out. And I think uh, now that we have two weeks, we'll get a chance to kind of uh, really analyze what we're seeing. And uh, I, I found it interesting that they posted a, a matchups like they had a rankings of, you know, various bands. And I'm assuming that these band, that these bands – well, actually, no, they didn't. These bands didn't play each other, but, you know, uh, you potentially had these kind of matchups. Um, I'll, I'll show them to you here on the other side when we come back. All right. All right. So let's take a short break. Come back. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in just a short moment. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www. SlowBurnWaco.com.
Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. It's Brian and AD here, and it's a pleasure to be joined by a couple of gentlemen who are part of the ESPN Band of the Year. Um, and uh, Drew, I'll let you go ahead and, and introduce our, our guest, our esteemed guest. Well, first of all, I want to uh, thank Dr. Doctor. I want to thank Mr. John Grant for helping us set this interview up with these uh, with these gentlemen. When the first band of the year rankings came out, I contacted Mr. Grant. It was like, when the next ones come out, I want to get somebody on from the band of the year competition to talk about it so that we can kind of hype this up going into that third ranking and get a better understanding of what's going on. So, who better than the two chairs of the Band of the Year Committee to talk to? So uh, with us, we've got Dr. Uh, Dr. Taylor and Dr. Julian White. And although this is the first time I've actually met uh, Dr. Taylor, Dr. White, you know, I'm a rattler. What can I say? So I've seen, seen uh, that's right. Rattlers will strike, strike, and strike again. So, uh, I'm very familiar with uh, the work that uh, Dr. White has done. No bias there, uh, Dr. Taylor. So, gentlemen, how are you guys doing today? Uh, just fine, sir. Absolutely wonderful. All right, all right. And as, as we get going, first of all, from you guys' perspective, uh, we've talked about it, but we want to hear this coming straight from the source. Explain to everybody who may have been up under a rock for the last two months what the band of the year contest is okay go right, right ahead okay well i'm dr Julian white <clears throat> excuse me and first of all i want to let you know how happy i am to be a part of this historic occasion uh the band of the year competition uh, consists of evaluations in the following areas tone quality musicality marching drum majors, auxiliary, and uh, other marching fundamentals. And so they play, we receive a video of each of the bands, and we have experts in every category, former and present directors, in every category to make comments, and they're also scored. And so the uh, participants, the band directors, are able to receive feedback from experts in addition to submitting uh, auditions for the Band of the Year Award. That's basically it. I'm sure Mr. Taylor will give the rest. Yeah, and, and it's actually a very exciting uh, uh, competition. Uh, it it uh, underscores the fact that we have outstanding programs at all of these HBCUs and everybody has the opportunity to enter into the event, the HBCU, uh, HBCU Band of the Year program. Each band can submit the video as uh, Dr. White said, and it covers a wide spectrum of things that uh, we cover on a daily basis. But this venue gives us the opportunity to highlight all of the stuff that we do and you hear about fifth quarter, 
zero quarter cranking and all of this stuff. Well, this is a different platform. This is a different venue. On this venue, we are actually digging down, we're drilling down just a little deeper uh, and giving the band directors and the band programs valuable feedback, valuable feedback on the status of that program as we see it. There are about 10 of us. We're looking at all of the areas Dr. White mentioned. And once we look into those areas, we are very anxious about the fact that somebody is going to emerge on the top of that pile. And that's when it's going to get very exciting. But we're hopeful that what we do is not only just rank the bands, but we give them valuable feedback. We give them valuable feedbacks on uh, feedback on how they can improve their overall presentation as a HBCU band program. All right. Uh, just briefly, if, if uh, each of you gentlemen would, and I know you guys' resumes are extensive, but if you would, for those who are watching, give a brief elevated speech, 30-second elevated speech of you guys' personal resume on why you're a part of this committee, and then talk about some of the, briefly, some of the other people who are make, making the judgments uh, as part of the committee. You don't have to give names, just kind of some of their backgrounds and everything. Okay, I'll just start with you, Dr. again. Now, first uh -huh. of all, I've been uh, six years of teaching. Uh, through high school and university, 10 in public schools, and then 40 at, uh, on the college level. And so I have participated as director of the McDonald's All-American High School Band. I am a member of the American Bandmasters Association. I have been in several Hall of Fames and uh, band director for a year. And so I have had an opportunity to work with university bands, to give clinics, uh, to demonstrate halftime shows, and to just as, as Dr. Taylor mentioned, provide the kind of background necessary in order to make the evaluations that we are doing. We have a number, I can't give names now, but we have an expert in every field, in musicality, in drum majors, auxiliary, uh, percussion, and other aspects of the show. We have experts for each one of those and a difference in addition to what we do. Many of the other evaluations are made by just uh, Comcast or, the, or whatever the case may be. But in our case, we have all excellent band directors, musicians, former directors who have, can make these comments. And so they carry, they carry more validity, say, than the other evaluations, than the other uh, posting and rankings of bands. And of I, course, uh, the school you're most associated with, uh, Dr. White. Beg your pardon. And the school that you are most associated with is what, Dr. White, once again? Uh, it's Florida <laughs> Agricultural and Mechanical University. <laughs> Just had to put that in. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, Dr. Taylor. <laughs> uh, it's actually Professor Taylor. Thank you for that degree, though. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, I, I came through the ranks watching Dr. White, the stature of a person, the of Dr. White's caliber. I attended Jackson State University and uh, I came up under the great 
Davis, W.W. W. Davis, and the great Harold Halton. Those were my uh, instructors. And uh, I, I matriculated there undergrad. And when I left there, I took my first job at age 23 as director of bands at Kentucky State University, Frankfort, Kentucky. And I stayed there about eight years and moved to Jackson State uh, when Harold Halden decided to go to Virginia, I came to Jackson State in 1984. And we've done a few things while we were there. Uh, uh, we've been uh, covered in Jet Magazine, uh, People Magazine, Science Monitor. We got selected to go to, not to Paris, but we got selected to go to Motown 30th anniversary in Hollywood, California. That was my band. And then we got to selected to go to the NBA All-Star Game with uh, Michael Jordan and all of those cats during those days. And uh, I was recently inducted into the uh, HBCU Alumni Hall of Fame. And so that's just a little truncated version of some of the things I've accomplished. And I'm also great. I'm also grateful to say that I have a student like Dr. White that's director at Jackson State right now, Dr. Ross. <laughs> so the bloodline continues. Yes, it does. <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Brian. Uh, well, gentlemen, first off, appreciate you uh, taking time to come on the show with us tonight. So let's uh, let's get into the one thing that you said that I that I loved is that you're able to give feedback from the first performances that came in. So I guess my first question, and I'll start with you, if you want to, Professor Taylor, maybe you start in. Um, the schools that submitted, and, uh, and I, I would like to think that everybody submitted, um, how has the feedback portion been in terms of, you know, you, you, you guys have been able to evaluate and the feedback that you've given from the first to the second rankings, does that, you know, does it feel like, in short, hey, are, are you listening to our feedback? Do you hear what we're saying? What's it, give a little background on what that is like. Well, well I tell you, I, I hear a lot of noise somewhere. I'm not sure where it is, but it, it's, it's, it's sort of distracting. I didn't want to mess up the video. Oh, That's right. no, no. I, I, I think I figured out where it is. Oh, okay. I, I'm, yeah. All right. I got you. Okay. Um, we have been painstakingly very intentional in giving appropriate feedback to the directors. And I am of the opinion that they have received it very well. And, and, and some of them actually uh, uh, are highly appreciative of the fact that we were able to pinpoint some things that they paid no attention to. You see, there's a, there's a halftime performance and there's a performance that requires evaluation. They're totally separate. At halftime, I can get out and and I can crank and I can really, really let it, let, I can go at it. But when it, when, when the judges get your video 
get their video, we put on headphones and we listen. We listen for the finer things in music. We listen for balance and blend. We listen for melodic integrity. We listen for uh, how well the players know their places in the drill, how well they are aware in terms of spatial awareness, how well do they execute. Those type things we give back to the directors. And I'm very encouraged that the directors have actually taken some of the things that we have given back to them. And, and, and we, we, it's labor, but it's a labor of love. And that's the beauty thing, beautiful thing about it. When we send it back and we get calls from directions that say, listen, I appreciate it. I appreciate what you just told me. I never thought about it, but that's where we are on that. Okay, um, well, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, go ahead, please. No, no, go ahead, Dr. White, go ahead, please, go ahead. Yes, what I wanted to say too is that <clears throat> this is about the fourth or fifth year that we have engaged in this process. And I have seen a tremendous improvement over that period of time of the quality of the band's performances. And so the, the, the band director, we've had some tremendous uh, performances that we do uh, once a month. And the directors, I feel certain, as uh, Professor Taylor mentioned, that they take these comments back to their programs and let the students, the band members, even hear comments making and then when they return to the rehearsals, they can apply those concepts. We're not there, we don't embarrass people, uh, no doubt about it. We have the professional integrity to provide feedback to these band directors that they can pass on to the students uh, because it is very important. I know, well, I started teaching, what, 62 years ago, and if I had the opportunity to uh, have my band evaluated by a number of people, I would have reckoned it. Uh, and would have welcomed it. Now, I can say this too, though, that I was mentored by the best. Dr. William P. Foster, Prof. Davis at Jackson State, Prof. Grill from Tennessee State, and uh, Conrad Hutchins from uh, uh, Grambling University. And those things, I think, were germane in helping me to be successful as a director. So those are the kind of things that we, that we do every week and yes, sir, it has. The progress, I feel, and many have told us so, the progress that they have made because of these evaluations has, has improved, I should say, tremendously. So let me ask this, uh, this next um, question. Understanding what you're watching and how does the process work? Let people know how the... For example, you've got 10 to 15 bands. Are you ranking them or are you sort of giving everyone a score and based on the the point value, that's how we determine the ranking order? Let, give, give some background, if one of you could, about, about how we come up with a top 10 list. Okay. Uh, that's a very, very good question, uh, because that is the, the, the total objective, objective of what we do. We, as we mentioned, have a panel of experts, and they are given adjudication sheets that has all the fundamentals in it, as 
cocktail nation, the musicality, the marching, the drill designs, the auxiliary, and the drum majors. And so we score each one of those categories. Upon completion, we have a, an expert to count and tabulate things because band directors can't count in a higher than four, uh, four, four time. We can't go into the intricacies of counting. So we give us an expert. And that person told us what we have. We receive a certain number of points for musicality, for marching, as I mentioned, through the uh, fundamentals. And then they're given to the tabulator. The tabulator puts them in, puts uh, the numbers in, and then they are evaluated, the numbers are confirmed, and they are ranked in order from lowest to highest. You're on mute, you're on mute, Prof. You mean all that I said was on mute? No, 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 you said I was on Prof. <laughs> okay. Any idea what another judge is doing? We, we don't have any idea until everything is done. Once we hit the submit button on our job, that's it for us. Then when it all comes out, we say, oh, okay. We got some pretty good uh, people on this panel. Okay. Hold on. Let me see. Hold on. Dr. White wants to add in something. Go ahead, Dr. White. Intense. We are so intense on what we do that when the final scores are tabulated, we're within one or two, three points with each other. So uh, Prof Taylor and I said, well, you know, good minds work together. Because <laughs> we've done these things and they all come together. So we're very proud of the fact that we are consistent and the persons on the committee are consistent in what we do. And I think that consistency is due to the fact that we have quality band directors and musicians doing those evaluations. Yeah, we, 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 we were actually all stunned at how all of us would be judging in separate categories, but the rankings come out just about the way we judged. And that's from different people. That's pretty good. Uh, and, and, and you guys, and, and you all do judge both the Division One and the Division Two. is that correct? Both divisions are judged. Okay. Let let's show the division. Not you know I don't you don't you don't have to comment on anything, but I know a lot of people in the chat are asking. So as of the second ranking, the second ranking that just came out, the overall is what you see there that has Winston Salem uh, State in first, followed by Florida Memorial, then Virginia State, Central State, and Tuskegee. That's the top five. And then you'll see, and I, I hope it comes through, uh, and when, when it gets into the auxiliaries, so or, or the different categories, I'm sorry, you have uh, the five different categories. So leading the auxiliary rankings is Florida Memorial. Leading the drum major rankings is Virginia State. Leading the musicality rankings is Florida Memorial again. The percussion rankings is led by Central State. And then the pitcher slash drill design rankings leads Winston-Salem State. Um, so I'm, I'm going to play novice here because a lot of people aren't familiar. Uh, you know, a lot of us just watch the band 
and we don't really, really know what we're looking at. So I'm going to ask the experts. <laughs> I'm serious. We, we watch, but we don't know. You know, it's like we watch and then we wait for you, you, you band folks, you great band folks to educate us. That At least I do. So let's start with the pitcher slash drill design rankings. What, what, give a little, uh, if you can, what is that? entail what's a what's a definition of how to understand that well i can take that one okay. um, we are basically talking about how your band looks on the field we are talking about the type of drill that your band presents the level of drill that your band there are some drills that are just simple step twos you, you fall in March 16, turn around and go back. And if you do that enough, it'll create some interesting geometric designs and it'll make it look complex. But when in actuality, it's simple. We know that as professors, as, as professionals, we know what we're looking at. And we're looking at your picture, for example. This is a pet peeve of mine. If I can look at your picture and I cannot determine what it is within 10 seconds. <laughs> it's not a good picture. If you don't understand <laughs> the height of a stadium and how the height of a stadium relates to a picture, then you're in trouble. If you're in a low stadium, your letters will need to be tall. It won't need to be that way so much in a higher stadium. So we're looking at that. We're looking at how well your designs flow from one another, how well the formations move, move into the next formation and how uniform they are. And then we also look at the style of uh, a drill design that you're using because you might come in with a core design, for example. If you come in with a core design, we have to look at that from a different angle. A core design is, is, is not precision drill. It's precision, but not precision. It's precision, but not precise. In other words, everything is an adjusted step system. You know, if you do a swirl, if you do a curl, if you do an expansion, if you do a compression, all of those things are different than doing a precision-based step two. So that's what pitches are all about. Uh, so, so here, and, and then Dr. White, I'm going I'm to come to you in a second in the next category, but I'm going to ask you, Professor Taylor, now with Winston-Salem State being number one, are, are you able to tell us which show they submitted? Because what I would love to do is be able to go back and be able to look at their video to understand what you just said, because what you said made sense, but again, I'm not a band guy, so it's kind of it's you know I'm kind of like what do I know what he's actually really do I understand what that means? Well, what what you might have to do is you might have to remember what I said and okay. go back. And we don't like to give out. We okay. don't get too deeply into those weeds. That's fair. Okay, that's 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 fair. That's fair. I, I respect that. We can right. we can we can we can go back and do the research. So there you go. Okay, people can do that. I think uh, hopefully Dr. White is going. We'll, we'll, he'll get his uh, connection squared away here. Um, so let me, while we wait on him to come back, let's go over to musicality rankings. And I think you kind of touched on this a little bit when you talked about musicality.
But again, for the novice, break that down. What are we? What are we? What are we listening for? Well, musicality, those two categories, musicality and picture drill design, those are heavyweights. Those two categories, musicality is how you sound. Okay. Not just how loud you sound, but how you sound. If you sit in the regular, if, if you sit in a football stadium and just listen while the bands are playing, you will hear the questions asked very frequently. Uh, uh, was that band louder than that band? Was that band louder than that band? Well, we're not interested in that. Mm-hmm. We're interested in, number one, did you cut your phrase off? Did you cut your phrase off together? Did I hear the melodic line over the supporting harmonies? Mm-hmm. Actually, some bands nowadays, the supporting harmonies are way louder than the melody. Mm-hmm. That's not musicality. Okay. We are looking for uh, uh, a balance and blend, smooth sounding band. Now, now don't get me wrong. We love power. Yeah, power is where it's at. But power, there's power and there's blasting. Mm, okay. Um, right. uh, well, can, I, can I ask a follow-up on that? Yeah. Uh, while we're on the musicality, does the acoustics of a stadium make a difference when you're judging it? For instance, if you have a smaller band playing in an NFL-type stadium, which is obviously a larger stadium. You know, the acoustics are going to be different versus if I'm that smaller band playing on my home field, you know, where, where my stadium is, or vice versa, that bigger band go on the road playing in a smaller stadium. You know, the acoustics are different. Uh, does that kind of play into that musicality, how, how you guys judge that? Well, the acoustics play a role. We know we know how to navigate around the acoustics because we've played in every venue you can think of. We've played in great venues. We've played in bad ones. So when we hear a band, we automatically think about where they're playing. For for instance, I hate to play in a stadium like uh, an enclosed dome that's not acoustically treated mm. because what you're going to get, if you don't have a lot of people in there, you're going to get a lot of boom, boom. And you have to know, you have to teach your students to work around that. But as judges, we are professional and have had enough experience to know we can separate what they're playing from their acoustical environment. Nice. Um, sorry, go Dr. Ahead. White, did you want to... Can, can you hear me? Yes. yes, we got you, sir. Okay, I think my my video and my audio is going for the last question. If I could backtrack just a few seconds on it. Uh, you mentioned the drill designs and what we look for there. Uh, and as Prof. Taylor just mentioned, we look to see what style you're doing. For example, there are about seven different kinds of drills. They have picture formations, and those are formations that tell some kind of story, a car, an airplane, a a basketball player dunking in the nets. Uh, 
those kind of things. We have step two drills, we have circle drills, and we have squad drills. So a person looking at it, and I, you also mentioned the perspective, a person looking at the show will have a different view if they're at the lower level or if they're in a higher level. And that makes a difference. And another important area that you do is the style of writing. The person who actually writes the drill and gets the uh, arranger to put the two together. So it's the concept of what you put on the field and can you see it? And I agree with Prof Taylor. If you can't make out make out what it is within 10 or 15 seconds, then there's something wrong with what you do. And so, and now I'll get back. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was the question that That's I answered? Well, <laughs> oh, I know what it was. It's the acoustics in the stadium. Yes. So, yes, the stadium does make a difference. As Prop Taylor mentioned, in a dome that's closed, it's not sufficiently acoustically constructed, then you're going to have echo. You're going to have feedback problems. Uh, so, you have to make sure that you, uh, number one, use a good setting, instrumentation. And a larger band, of course, does have an advantage over a smaller band. However, the small band, if they are properly drilled on music and marching, then they are able to do and present a quality show. A larger band, of course, has a bit different advantage because they are larger and they can project more. But musicality, could be the same with each one. A small band can play in tune, play with good articulation, good phrase and ensemble playing and balance, just as a, a larger band. And you know, you mentioned the thing too, you said you don't know very much about bands. About you do though. When you hear a band, you can say, they later may say, well, either that band sounds good or it doesn't sound good. And if it's not sounding good, it is because performance fundamentals have not been properly taught. So a per, the, the average person, I should say, can determine, is the band good? Does the band sound good? Or does it not sound good? And those, that has to do with acoustics also. Okay. Um, let's go to Dr. White. I'm gonna have you talk about percussion rankings and what specifically within the percussion, because I, you know, for me, being a novice, when I think percussion rankings, I think of a movie drumline. You're like, you know, but but what goes into, I, but, but I, that's, you know, but that's- That's us amateurs. That's us amateurs. But what, are we, well, what, what, is, what is the judging like as it relates to the percussion rankings? Well, you know, that is extremely exciting. And you mentioned drumline. I don't know if you realize the impact that drumline had on bands in America, HBCU, predominantly white universities, because the drums and the percussion, you know, that is the heartbeat of the band. And the percussions are visual as well as audible. And so with the instrumentation in the percussion section, you have snare drums, uh, you have tenor drums and quads. The one, the snare drum is higher in sound the quads of middle range sound and the bass drum was called the boom, boom, boom. They are the tempo, the, the, the alarm clock, maybe a clock that determines how fast or how slow the band's marching. And so from that aspect, visually, we look to see 
and you, you can't see my arm now, but you know, the percussion players have to stick and they have the things they do with the bass drum and the quartz drums and, and the snares and all the cymbals. So the visual aspect of the band performance is what we look at. We look to see how are they tuned? How do they look? How professional uh, is the unison sticking done? You know, uh, how well the, the band members can handle the cymbals or the chords or the bass drum. That's from a visual standpoint. And then from an oral standpoint, I mentioned bands sound good if they don't sound good. One reason why bands can have a problem is that the percussion players play too loud. Now, the audience loves to hear the drums, but from a musical standpoint, the drums must be, of course, the time cue for the band, but they have to be very careful that they, that they don't overshadow the sound of the band. So we're judging orally as well as visually. And if I could add to that, now percussion drum lines are part of most bands' presentation. You see the band stop, and then you see the percussion, the drummers, percussion players come out front, and they will put on a tremendous demonstration. And uh, I know that you're seeing that. And and the, the quality of what these kids do is just amazing. And let's say this too, that it emanated from drumline for the most part and HBCUs. Uh, the predominantly white university don't really do that kind of demonstration. But with HBCUs, your drums, your percussion section better come ready, large band or small band. But the percussion competition is keen and must be given quality of judging, which is what we provide. Mm -hmm. uh, Prof Taylor, anything you want to add there about the uh, about the percussions before we move to the auxiliaries? Well, I I, I can't add much on that one, uh, especially when it comes to the heartbeat of the band. Heartbeat of the band. The the primary issue is that percussionists understanding their role, and see sometimes we have directors who don't have a clue about percussion sections. They might be a a, a tuba player like me, so I <laughs> I want to hear a lot of bass horn. But after a while, you know that you must know about every phase of that band and understand their role, percussion's role, support, not subdue. You just, you, just, you just said something real interesting. I don't know if you picked that up, Drew. So your background in what you played has an impact on your teaching style or maybe your band. Is that is that kind of what I'm what I'm kind of hearing? Well, it, it, of course it does. It, it, it can't really help itself. Now, that's not an excuse. Right. right. <laughs> if, if you wear the title band director, then you must be able to be proficient in every area of that band. If I, just because I played tuba, you know, I, 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 I love tubas, but just because I played tuba, that doesn't give me license to neglect the clarinets. Ah, okay. The saxophones, they play color roles. They play roles within the whole fabric of the band program. And that's a, that's a well-rounded band director who played. But of course, a, a, a percussion player, for example, if most percussion players, if they are an arranger for the band, if they arrange music, 
if you listen very carefully, you'll find that their music is very rhythmical. It's sure. in their blood. Huh. See, we, we, we just we just learned something. See, today we just learned something, folks. We learned something. Uh, now, now we're all going to be asking our our band directors, well, "What instrument did you play uh, when you were?" <laughs> Don't you tell them I said that. <laughs> uh, hold on, Dr. White. You're as on, band directors, as band directors, and all of us to get out of college, we've got to learn how to play all those instruments. You know, we may not be proficient on all of them, but we must know how to teach every instrument in the band. And we play, we play, uh, we take courses in applied music. That is our major area of, of, uh, of requirement. But then we also play, we take woodwind techniques, brass techniques, and percussion. And we can't get out of school until we know how to teach those instruments. Well, I, I, I got to stop and ask this question since we, <laughs> since we went down the rabbit hole. <laughs> and since we are a sports-based show, this, this is going to go right in line with that. As band directors, do you act like a head coach? You got to have your office coordinator, defensive coordinator, uh, position coaches, etc. When you put your band programs together, do you look to hire people or have other professors in your department to kind of fulfill those roles on the band level? Well, you just mentioned a perennial dream that most band directors have all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and that is having somebody on their staff to cover every phase of their program. Or at least a phase or two. You get yeah. these two, you got these two, something like that. Yeah, see, unfortunately, we, we deal with 300 people every night. 200 minimum we have maybe four or five directors maybe a lower brass instructor upper brass woodwinds percussion maybe that's if you're lucky hmm. now look at the football team yeah 60 players 11 coaches maybe 15 16 coach they got they have a coach <laughs> for water <laughs> <laughs> and so, and here we are. But but that's what <laughs> that's why we are held in such high esteem because we 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 really do earn our money. We we earn our money. I've seen Florida and M at times with four hundred member piece of a four hundred band. I used to look at Doctor White and say, "How in the world?" I remember those days. Handle all of that, <laughs> and eventually I ended up with three hundred. And I understood. <laughs> you do what you have to do when you have to do it. And, and he's right, Garvin. Pop Taylor's right. You know, we do not because of what we have, but in spite of what we have, we never have enough money. You know, you go on a trip, you've got to order buses, you have to have a person to do that, you've got to make hotel reservations, you've got to make sure that you have proper equipment. Uh, you have to make arrangements for meals. And there are just so many aspects of what a band director has to do. And so the more people that you have on your staff, and we were very fortunate uh, because Dr. Foster came around the time. He was really kind of a pioneer in 
uh, marching bands. And so he was able to establish a kind of thing wherein we have a director for each instrument. We have a property manager and we have a secretary. We are lucky to do that. But even with all of that support, it's difficult because there are so many aspects that we have to cover. And, and then you mentioned too, the quality of your staff. You know, we can't make it by ourselves. We can't make it alone. So we have to have good supporters, uh, assistant band directors to assist us, if I should say, in that process. So it's a very difficult thing. I would say this too, the best, the easiest part of our halftime shows of being a band director and doing the performance on the field. It's what we have to do before we get to the field. We have to have the formation design. We have to have the music written. We have to have the instrumental specialists on each one. We have to have the person be in charge of the march and the drum majors. And so it's really a very difficult job. However, just as with the musician, with the, on the musicality and other areas, when you have a very organized person and you must have that right, in order to be successful. When you have that kind of staff, it can greatly eliminate or alleviate some of the problems, the administrative problems that we as band directors must endure. Mm -hmm. Since I'm going down rabbit holes, I've got to go ahead and ask this one. And a lot of the people uh, who are watching this uh, usually have the same question. What does it take to move a band? And the reason I'm asking that, because there's always talking about uh, why why so-and-so and so-and-so -and -so not traveling to take on this band and uh, not yes, traveling yeah. to take on yeah. that band. Yeah. And when I say, what yeah. does it take to move? Can you quantify it in general? I know you can't get specific, but just to give people an idea of how much it really costs to move the band and then the, the food, uh, if you happen to be doing a, a parade and a, and a classic, uh, a game that's a classic, the hotels possible, all that stuff about moving that band around. And I know we, we're going to get back to the rest of the rankings, but I'm sorry, I got to go down this rabbit hole. Well, I can tell you uh, what, what, what I went through on a regular basis, and that is it always costs too much to move a van. You know <laughs> now, see, the average person, they'll come to a game and they'll think, why isn't that band here? Band why band. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And but they never stop to think that band has to have included in its budget travel. And when I say travel, I'm talking about the number of buses it takes to move that band. Anywhere from six, eight, buses. eight to nine buses just to move the band. We haven't eaten one breakfast. 300 people. We haven't eaten one lunch. 300 people. We haven't had dinner. 300 people. And we're not, we haven't dealt with those people who are hungry at night after we get back to the hotel and we need to order in some pizza. Mm. So all of those things go into, that's just travel and meals. There are other aspects of the whole travel uh, process where you start moving into hotel. We hadn't paid for one room. So when, by the time you add that up, to move a band like Florida and m Jackson State would probably cost more than some of the smaller schools whole budget. Mm. 
So that's what we're dealing with when turn without giving specific. We're dealing with that type of money. It's a lot of money. When I left Jackson State, uh, when I retired, I had uh, gotten the budget up to eight hundred thousand. That was not enough. Hmm. So, and, and, go ahead. Go sorry. Ahead. Well, I was going to say this too. I consider the band as a human body. You know what? Uh, what we, will we need when we take a trip? Sometimes the administrations, they want to save money, and they say, well, you know, can't you stay here? And my question would be, would you stay here? Uh, they asked the question, uh, meals. Uh, why can't you just, we can get you some chicken boxes, this kind of thing. Would you right. need a chicken box? You know, this kind of thing. So the band is human body. And uh, it's just, it's, uh, you've got to have money, got profit, money for buses. You'd be surprised how much money it costs to get one bus. And when you've got to get eight or 10 buses, you can imagine. Right. So folks say, well, why did that process, why didn't the band come? The band didn't come, I want to say, because the athletic department didn't want to pay for them to go. Everybody's looking for a profit. And so the disappointing part about that is that if the band doesn't go to Jackson State, the people at Jackson State are going to be, well, I thought family was coming and vice versa. So the attendance of the band is dependent also on uh, the, the demand, the fact that how much our director, the, I'm sorry, the uh, athletic department is willing to pay. So it's just a tremendous amount of money uh, allocated for a band is just tremendous. Uh, anywhere from $80,000 to $100,000, just say for a trip from Tallahassee to Atlanta. Uh, and we have, we have to protect our kids because you've got to stay at a decent hotel. And, you know, will you stay in the hotel that you're going to put the band in? And so that kind of thing just asserts that the amount of money that it takes to move a band is astronomical. And it's more than just what goes along with the trip. I think that would answer your question. And, and if you notice, if you notice, the athletic directors and the promoters have gotten smart. <laughs> have you ever, when the last time you've gone to a classic and not seen both bands? Mm -hmm. They're both there. They have finally realized that we need to put these bands in the budget because mm -hmm. these fans draw as many spectators and fans as does the game. And so now we don't have a problem with classics. It's our regular yeah. schedule. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, I know uh, we've kept you guys longer than we intended to uh, here, but we've gone down and had some good conversation. We've got a lot of com uh, a lot of comments in the chat, and we're going to have to find another way to get you guys back on or do a uh, do a separate interview with you guys uh, at some point in time, hopefully before the band of the year competition. But what I would like to do is give each of you the last word uh any comments that you guys want to make about the uh, band of the year competition and also if you could tell everybody when that final when is the end of the adjudication period for the uh, final ranking and when the that final ranking is anticipated to come out before you give your final statements 
either one of you guys want to go. I saw what you prompted, uh, Taylor. Uh, okay, okay. Um, well, what 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 I what I what I would like to say is that I'd really like for everyone to take a real close look at what's going on. It's very serious, and I think they would enjoy the event. The event is going to be spectacular, and we're expecting to be uh, inundated with requests uh, for tickets, and we want them to make sure that they can come out. Uh, the event will probably, the last, the event itself will be on December 15th, December 15th, and that is the Friday night before the big event with the Celebration Bowl, and what a wonderful way to introduce the Celebration Bowl, and uh, we have uh, one or two more rankings, and I think one of the most important rankings will come out on the latter part of November. I'm uh, not sure that exact date. They don't have it in front of that part of, the, uh, of November. And we just want everybody to uh, come out and support the event because it's really something to behold. And I'll add to that. Uh, thank you. I want to say thank you for what you have done here in inviting us to this interview because the words, the, the content will travel and it will give the layman an opportunity, or will give them an opportunity to know the intricacies of what we do, how we do it, and why we do it. And you know, the band of the year, ESPN band of the year, and the band of the year will be every school because everybody feels that their band is the best. And so everybody's a winner. However, when it gets down to the end, we'll have those that one band selected in Division One and Division Two, But this process is truly exciting. Uh, the time and the evaluation of each band once a month helps to improve the quality of the band. And I just want to reiterate what you all have done here tonight as to what it's going to mean to the public when they hear the comments that we've made, the questions you have asked. Uh, well, thank you, Brian. Thank you. Can I? Can I, I? I know. I know we're we're short on time, and I know Drew's gonna fuss at me. But I got to get one last question in here because uh, I think it's it's a good one. Uh, uh, many of you may know uh, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. Uh, it's got a great question here, um, and it it has to do with uh, outside of this competition, what your thoughts uh, and experience of the band's relationship on. Uh, what it's like on when when to play in the stands during football games uh, to all those involved. You know, what what is that? What are your thoughts and in, in the experience of the band's relationship uh, on when they play in the stands during the games uh, to, to keep everything to keep that experience? Keep the crowd. Yeah. Well, you, well, you know, that that's an that's that's an evolutionary process that most people are not aware of. We came along in a period, uh, I, I did as a student and as a director in the 80s, uh, when we played when we felt like it. We played to keep the fans involved. We played to keep the atmosphere hyped. And all of a sudden, 
the conferences, the directors of the conferences, athletic direct, not necessarily athletic directors, but the conference presidents, et cetera. They said that uh, I know they've been hearing plays and football players uh, been hearing the plays in the past, but all of a sudden they can't hear it when the band is playing. <laughs> so now they want us to only play when your team has the ball. Now, what does that mean? That you're <laughs> you're interrupting your team now, so they don't mind you interrupting your team. But in most cases, at, at some point, believe it or not, they even started issuing fines mm. if you played out of order in the stand during the game when the ball was in play. So that made the directors become very shy. You know, and, 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 and once you get hit with a fine of $10,000, you're going to sit there and watch the game. Mm. And the fans won't know anything about that. They're, they're, they're on your throat. Why aren't you playing? Some people walk over to you and say, what's wrong with your band? Absolutely nothing. Go talk with Mr. So-and-so. Go talk with Mr. So-and-so and they will explain it. That, that's what that is all about. And, and, and brief, I'll add to it. You know, over the length of time, bands are rather powerful. Uh, you take Jackson State and family band play. Jackson State plays and they blow the stadium out. Family comes and play, they blow the stadium out. And so the football players say, I can't hear, and this kind of thing, and they, the referees will give you a fine. The most embarrassing thing you can have is for a PA system to say, will the Florida A&M music, music band stop playing? And so that is so <laughs> And sometimes when they tell us don't play, you know what we do? We don't play anymore. And that's how the fifth quarter started too because they would not allow us to play, and those kids want to play. I mean, the That's people right. come through. The football game is nice, but they want to hear the bands crack up. They want to hear that, and so that is the evolution of why we can't play. We were playing yesterday with the homecoming game, and they made an announcement at the beginning of the game that the band could only play with the rules as I just mentioned to you. The bands could only play at this particular time. And then there's television. So television comes on, you can't play because there's TV time. So we just have a tremendous problem in how much and how long the band can play. And we hope that answers your question. I, I we just learned about the evolution of the fifth quarter. This is the ECP. Hey, look, and I, I'm going to get in trouble, Dr. White, Prof. Taylor, because now bands have to deal with the DJ. So now you have, you got oh, the yeah. in-house, you got the in-house music. You have the video board commercials. Yeah, you got the rules by TV. So I, <laughs> you're I don't right. Know, I, we don't have we don't have enough time tonight, and I'm gonna Not get in trouble. People gonna fuss <laughs> at me because, but I have all kinds of feelings. But I'm old school, and I went to FAMU. So, but anyway, I got feelings. But anyway, but uh, it's a it's a challenge, and I guess somewhere along the road uh, we will figure it out. But it it, it is a challenge. That uh, I'm, I'm sure Jackson State. I haven't had the, the opportunity yet to get to uh, to a game. Hopefully next year when FAMU travels to uh, Jackson State, I can get there. Um, but I but I'm sure it's a similar challenge for uh, the Sonic Boom as well. I'm gonna uh, tell you what shocked me. What shocked me was when I was looking at the Auburn game, and I looked up and I heard 
a DJ. Mm. That was stunning. Yeah. It, 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 it has metastasized around the country. You know, yes. DJs, yes. they're in yes. the mix. Yes. Yeah. Uh, wow. I, I, I look, uh, Prof Taylor, Dr. White, this has been great. Um, we really appreciate your time. Um, again, uh, the next rankings will be coming out, rankings number three. And, uh, you know, again, people will be looking. And, and just to clear, after ranking three, is that the final or three comes out and then is the final? I want to make sure we know that. The There's the final three. And then the next time we reduced it down, I think, to the last five bands, four or five bands. And those bands will be selected, will have been selected to come to Atlanta for the December 15th show. The, the 315 showdown. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Appreciate uh, you, gentlemen, tonight. Appreciate you, gentlemen. Thank you for your time tonight. It's we been a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Appreciate it. Give a, give a shout out to Don Roberts and yes. John Grant. Yes. Yes. Yeah, as a phenomenal. Yes, we certainly yes. will. Appreciate yeah. you guys. Thank you very yes, much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank All right. Uh, two legends, Drew. Two two of the goats of uh, of uh, of marching bands. I mean, of course, you and I both grew up um, in the uh, uh, Dr. White era, and then uh, obviously we we seen. Prof. Taylor and the, the JSU and the Sonic Boom uh, from from afar, um, excellent. Um, yeah, go go ahead. You were going to add. I got I got I got to flash up the D one because people are killing us for not showing the D one. But there All was right. a Why there was a method where we were going because what I was trying to do is I was trying to let people understand the rankings, the or not the rankings, but the categories. So that's what yes. we were trying to do. I wasn't necessarily. You guys can go on. To uh, what is it at ESPN B O T Y B on Twitter? You can HBCU Game Day has posted the. So I mean, the the goal here wasn't to show you uh, the rankings all day. I mean, here's the Division One rankings, just in case uh, you, you, those of you who haven't seen them yet. Uh, this is hey, ranking two. Yeah, go ahead, Drew. Uh, got a text from John. The next ranking is mid November, and then the final will come after Thanksgiving. Okay, so it won't be so ranking number three and then the final will be announced. Okay, so it'll be a quick turnaround from ranking number three to the final. Um, yes. Yeah, and you know what I you know what I should have done and I thought to do I I and maybe somebody has done this already in one of their shows like look looked at the who's moved up and down from week from pole or from pole one to pole two. You know, to kind of see who, who's done what. Um, but anyway, uh, so there you go. There's your Division One rankings: North, North Carolina A and T, followed by Norfolk State, Jackson State, Texas Southern, and Bethune. And then you see in the uh, categories the auxiliaries led by Jackson State, the drum majors led by Texas Southern, the musicality rankings led by North Carolina A and T. Percussions led by AT, and then the picture drill and design rankings led by AT. So you guys who are going, if you're going to uh, GHO this weekend, uh, you're gonna get a chance to see the uh, arguably the number one ranked band in uh, a lot of those categories. So that they, that will be uh, 
a big opportunity for them to display uh, their sound and everything that they do well, because uh, that's pretty good to see A&T ranked number one in three different categories. So, And when you look at it, they're not ranked below four in any category. Right. I just, yeah, you're right. Notice that too. Notice that. Um, and then you see Norfolk State is, with the exception of drum majors, they're ranked top two and three. Two or three in everything. Uh, yeah, top top three, two, two or three, and everything else. So yes. that's pretty impressive. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it comes down to uh, down to the wire. Um, all right. Uh, hey, appreciate everybody in the chat rooms. We appreciate you coming in. Uh, appreciate uh, your questions. We tried to get to as many as we could. Um, hopefully, you got something out of that segment. Um, you know, I don't we'll know. go and cut that up and make that into a yeah. separate. I don't know who Brandy Mitchell is. I don't know what why Brandy's mad. I don't know what she's upset about. But I mean, you know, <laughs> I sorry. I maybe we didn't do something right or do it too long. But you know, it's all good. Um, okay, that's gonna do it for tonight's show. Uh, supersized edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap. You know we can't do anything short. Uh, we're here for a, a, a good time and a long time. So that's going to do it. <laughs> All right. Okay. We, all right. Thank you, Brandy. We, we we love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for coming in. And Thank I, you. Yeah, Thank I appreciate you. it. Just don't give all us right, a yeah. thumbs down. Right. As long as it's not a thumbs down. I, 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 you know, I, I was worried. I was like, I was like, man, I've never seen that emotion before. What do we do? <laughs> so it's all good. It's all good. Appreciate you guys. Hey, do us a favor. Share the show. Uh, let people know about the band segment. Let people know about the top fives. Whatever segment you like, you can always, you know, share from a certain point, um, so on and so forth, and, and go from there. So, uh, again, I uh, got to thank Coach uh, Coach Farasi. Uh, got to thank. Um, uh, our band directors uh, for hold on a second. Let me make sure I got to clear out something. Okay, I'm sorry. Something jumped up on my screen. Uh, got to thank Professor Taylor, uh, Dr. White, uh, for coming in and joining us. Thank you to uh, Don Don T. Roberts. Thank you, uh, Mr. John Grant, uh, for for both of you two for helping to set that up, and thank you uh, for watching. The BCS in sports rap. Drew, any final words before we get out of here? SIAC, I am waiting on the tiebreakers. Yes. Y'all put some look, I don't even know how to tag. Hey, everybody tag at the what's it? What's their what's their Twitter handle? At the SIC. Is that the Twitter handle? Everybody tonight. Hit up the SIC on, on Twitter on Twitter and on Instagram and say, hey, what are the tie-breaking scenarios for the football playoffs? Maybe, just maybe, they will release them this week. They should. They should release them so that way we know going into these big three games, we'll know what the different scenarios are, so on and so forth. So that's my wish. Go on to X or Instagram, hit up the SIEC, just say, boom, whatever. You know, hit them up. So, um, yes. So, all right. We got to go. We've been here for too long. But we love you guys. We appreciate you all. Thank you, everybody. 
everybody, uh, you guys are the best. And uh, we really enjoy it. Hit the thumbs up or the like button. Happy faces only. Uh, whatever, when, whenever you, uh, when you're, when you're, when you're in the uh, chats, we all appreciate you. Uh, we love you. God bless. Hey, have a great week this week. Happy homecoming to those who just celebrated. Happy homecoming to those who are starting their uh, homecoming. Uh, be positive. Be safe. And God bless you all. For AD Drew, I'm Brian Fulford. You've been watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. Peace out. Talk a light, everybody. But you stay on hard.